All right, guys, we're live for number 14 uh, in this continuing series of AMP Chats. And today, I'm stoked to have Dan here. Hey, Dan, how you doing, man? Hey, how's it going? <laughs> yeah, awesome. So Good. Uh, Dan and I both have the um, had the honor, I guess, of uh, both appearing on, on Tone Talk, which I think, yep. Dan, I mean, I certainly, I was certainly aware of you and your work, but the the Tone Talk episode that Mark and Dave had you on was a, a great kind of, you know, kind of get to know you session. For the, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, they're always good, right? For the um, and the odd chance that someone in the either listening to this live or back on replay uh, is not aware of, of you and what you do, would you mind just kind of filling us in a little bit about Dr. Dan Amps and what, what you've been <clears throat> up to? Oh, yeah. So, um I started fiddling with tube amps probably, I don't know, I was about 17 years old. So that was, uh, goodness gracious, about 34 years ago. And uh, I fiddled with them for quite a few years and I tweaked them and I took them apart. Um, My very first amp was a a high watt uh, DR-103 combo. Nice. um, Yeah, what happened was, it's a really funny story. So it was 1986 or 87. And um, anyway, I... uh, I really wanted a Marshall valve state really bad because the music I was listening to at the time, you know, it, uh, it, it gave you that sound. And, uh, so I went I had to the a valve state amp at one point. Oh, I wanted one, something terrible, man, back in the eighties. And, wow. uh, yeah, I went to the, uh, I went to the pawn shop over in Halifax. There were some really good ones at the time and I was 25 bucks short for the valve state. So I said to him, I said, well, this is what I have in cash. I said, you know, like, what can I get? And he goes, well, he goes, I got this old high watt in the corner. He goes, it's just a one by 12 combo. He goes, you know, I sat there and I thought to myself, I said, well, you know, I love the who I said. So the thing is, is I said, you know, I said, let's get it. Let's give it a rip. And anyway, I bought this thing and uh, that that one amp that I still have to this day, that that started my whole tube amp journey because it uh I wanted to modify it. I wanted to put new tubes in it. I wanted to fiddle around with it. You know, I've always been that type of person. Um, you know, if I didn't know it at that time, uh, given then what I'd do is I'd, I'd, I'd take it upon myself to get enough books to do enough research to figure out, okay, this is how we're going to go about this in, in, a, in a logical process. And uh, that was the first amp that I got my first major shock off of. And it's... Uh, <laughs> It blew me back <laughs> in my seat. That is, um, that's a that's a rite of passage, isn't it? It was. <laughs> it flew me back in my seat. Probably, I'd say yeah, maybe about ten feet. It was really bad. And uh, anyway, it uh, my hair stood up straight. I had lots more back then. Back then, and uh, I was just like, wow, <laughs> like that. So there was a local company around town called Tortec East, and there was a there's a local tech by the name of uh, Brick Fader, and he's a he's a fantastic technician. And, uh, you know, he always, he was one of those guys where he uh, could sprinkle uh, pixie dust into an amp and then he'd make it just sound just right. So, you know, <laughs> I thought that he was the closest living thing to uh, Jesus Christ for amplifiers in, in my region. And, speaking, uh, you know, speaking, um, sorry, sorry, Dan, to interrupt you for a second, but speaking yeah. of people that sp- sprinkle, Yo! <laughs> that sprinkle oh, dust on amps. <laughs> Mr. Friedman, happy birthday. Thank you, man. Happy birthday, you, man. Everyone? You had a good oh. one, eh? Yeah. Oh, I wanted to great. pop in and say hi. Yeah. Oh, no, that's awesome. Yeah. No, that's great. Hey, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, so, so you went and had a, you're out for dinner with a bunch of folks? Some. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Some of, some of those people you, you, you know. 
Tracy, <laughs> Tracy was there, right? Yeah, Tracy was there, and yeah, uh, awesome. Pete Thorne and Michael Nielsen, and yeah, your wife, yeah, cool yeah. man. That same Korean yeah. barbecue place. No way, same oh, one. Yeah. Oh really? That's where we went. That's awesome. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, it's a place. To, that's definitely a place to go back to, man. That was that was killer. Yeah, oh. that's good. That's a good place. And they serve they serve cold beer in like really large bottles, which which is helpful. <laughs> that's always advisable. Yes, <laughs> you know, you don't have to keep asking for more. Um, yeah, wow. man. What else has been happening? You're back at work today, obviously. Or oh yeah. Birthday, birthday is a distant memory. Well, I worked yesterday too, so I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't get a break. Uh, it's a six-day-a-week job, man. I knew you would have, man. Actually, like a seven-day-a-week job, really. Um, yeah. I'm gonna go to I'm gonna go to a comment in the chat here, Dan, because um, I don't know I don't know what this is, so maybe you can explain to me what it is. So John here is saying, uh, so you're you're in Nova Scotia, right? New oh, Brunswick yeah. here, practically neighbors. We could. We could meet for an amp chat over over Donairs. Donairs, what is what is that? That's the Nova Scotia tradition. Okay, it uh, I don't know. There, there's a Greek food that is very similar, and you'll have to forgive me because the thing is, is I'm not oh, like a like a like a Slovakian wrap. Very similar to yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. It's a spicy type of beef, and uh, I eat them all the time. And when I eat them, I get uh, extra onions, and I even get jalapeno peppers put in them too. So they're pretty good. Sounds good. That does sound good. Well, this we have we have a lot of the, so Melbourne has, I believe, the largest Greek population outside of Greece oh, in, nice. in the world, right? And uh, post post World War Two. So um, yeah, like those Slovakia wraps, uh, or you know, kebab is often called here. Um, yeah, or shawarma, or stable. yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, very yeah. much, very much. But uh, the Donners, uh, the, they're also big in Germany, too. Really? Yeah, a big, huge thing. I think they might be slightly different. Yeah. Um, I've never had them in Germany, but I went with mm-hmm. a German to this place that served them in Detroit, mm-hmm. and and he said, that was spot on. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. yeah. That sounds killer. Yeah. Um, yeah. So Dan, someone uh, shredding fifty one here is saying that uh, he had a Marshall Valve State as well. Dave, did you ever own a Marshall Valve State, or have you looked at them? I fortunately have never owned a Marshall Valve State. <laughs> Dan was. Dan oh, wait, was I might have owned a power amp. I might own one of the power amps, maybe once. Dan yeah. was just saying before you jumped on that that was just, that was the <clears> one amp that he wanted when he first That's started. What I wanted, yeah. Oh yeah. Oh wow! Wow. Yeah. What time Dan, is, that, is that because like like we're some guitar heroes that you were following were they using this one of these like what was it about the valve state that you i just wanted it i always loved the sound of marshall i i couldn't afford a plexi so the thing is, is i figured that would kind of be the second best thing um the probably the guitar player that really introduced me into the guitar that i like the quintessential sound uh i fell in love with uh, kiss and Alive One was my first record. And ever since oh, then, yeah. I kind of always followed Ace Frehley. And I, I just loved his tone. And all the best players played Marshall. You know, you listen to uh, Ace Frehley, you know, Van Halen, all these guys. That's all they ever played. You know, it, it was just the best sound, you know. 
this yeah. this I agree with. Um, I think we're all on the same page here. Yeah. <laughs> so Dan, sure. like like this is a um, this session is all going to be about Marshalls, right? Particularly the vintage Marshall circuit. So mm-hmm. like if we fast forward in your in your journey, right to now yeah. to like. Yeah what you what you're doing with dr dan and i mean i follow all your stuff on instagram yeah um yeah. what's your favorite what what is your favorite vintage circuit like of all of all the stuff that marshall have done what's your kind of like this is this is my home base you know well my favorite sound is probably a 68 50 watt plexi 1987 uh some of them <laughs> fancy that fancy that how about that they sound so good. Who would have thought? Yeah. yeah. They, they, they sound like, I know, like that one for example. Like this one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yep. Yep. They, 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 they just That's sound curious, so good. Man. They just sound so good. It's uh, probably Every eight week. years ago. I was jamming with a couple of buddies of mine. And my buddy Jim, who lives in town, he always has beautiful guitars. Jim's a, he's, we're, we're really good friends. And he had a uh, late 69 and I just, I couldn't get over how good that amp sounded. So I asked to take it apart and everything. I went through it and then I went so far as to buy a 1987 X and then I I was totally uh, destroyed by that amp because it sounded terrible. And then uh, I said, no, I said, enough's enough. I said, I'm going to build one of these suckers. And I I built one nine years ago and then it just, I just, I kept rolling with it. Because it's uh, you, you hear a good sound, and then what happens is, is when you hear that good sound, you know what it's like when you play guitar. You're constantly chasing it all of the time. But I like the 6850-watt sound quite a bit. Uh, the other sound that I really like a lot, too, I really love the JTM 45100 sound. It's, 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 it's a really nice sound as well, especially with a Gibson guitar. It's, those are probably my, my two favorite sounds. What is it about the... And a question to you too, Dave. Man, like the if it's like sixty-eight, fifty watt. You're very specific there about the year. Well, yeah. Uh, what, is it about, what is it about that year that like makes it? Uh, you know, mine is. Well, first of all, and I'm sure Dan will tell you too. What is that spec exactly? I'm not exactly <laughs> quite sure. This is, this is where I'm going with this, man. Uh, you know, there, there's a lot of variations on uh, a sixty-eight. Mm-hmm. And then going into '69, and then mm-hmm. some were wine were leads. Some old ones were converted to lead spec. Yep. Some. So what is a '68? I don't know. I like a. Let me re- rephrase this. I like a lead spec. Yep. But but point one output couplers in the fifty okay. watt in a fifty yes. watt. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but lead spec front end. Yep. Uh, for the sound I'm after. Yep. And it just so happens that's sort of how mine's set up. Yeah. Um, that's that's my preference. Now, JTM 45 is fantastic, but I mean, I, I like go for a little more aggressive uh, yeah. of a, a, a tighter tone. A 45 yeah. can be great, but you know, you're going to be turning the bass off or, oh, you know, right. down super low. Yeah. And, you know, and, and, and it can be, I've heard some amazing ones and I've heard some ones that aren't that great, you know? And, yeah. Um, but Dave, so what is it about? Specs. Is there anything in the filtering on? I think about like your sixty-eight. So let's let's use that as an example, right? Because as you say, like from amp to amp, they can be who knows, right? They could be different. Yep. Is that is that standard? 
is that kind of 50, 50 microfarad all the way through, 100 in the mains and 50 all the way through? Like, what's the filtering on that? I, I, what day was it? What did they have in stock? Yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, you know, there, there's so many crossover variations, too. Mm -hmm. Like, transitioning out of 45 into, you know, the, the, the Black Flag 50s kind of thing and transitioning further into the 68 plexi you know um man the variations are all over the map it's like you see one you're like okay this has no tube rectifier but it's sort of lead spec and well wait well it's like that 67 <laughs> that remember that 67 i had here dave and i've sent you a bunch of pictures about it it was a tube rectified jtm 45 front end but with EL30, factory EL34s and a 50-watt OT, also factory. So it's complete. Yeah, there's some, it's, I, I, you know, you just sort of, you know, my, I mean, my my amps, what you said, 150 50, and 50 is the rest of the way. But you can vary that some. And, and two. two yeah, you got to remember two caps, right? Caps. Yeah, so that's you, the, the, the tolerance, the tolerance on filter caps, yeah, especially then was you know pretty huge. So you know you could have a th up to thirty percent off. Yeah. So like, yeah. so maybe a thirty-two microfarad cap was really reading closer to fifty, mm -hmm. <laughs> or yeah. uh, they generally went up, not generally down. Though I've mm -hmm. seen mm -hmm. it does your answer down generally electrolytics, Dave. Hmm. Does yours still have the original electrolytics? Yeah, it does. Okay, so, so they still work. Yeah, even <laughs> even even after your JTM forty five experience. <laughs> you know, I've 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 not wanted to change them. I know what you mean, and they are healthy still, actually. Yeah. Uh, at least on my capacitance meter, they say so. On Stevie Fryett's capacitance meter, they said so. Um. But um, I just haven't wanted to change it because it's... I'm sorry, like, man. I got, I got that 69 50 watt, you know, the yeah. old tremolo circuit. I was tremolo amp that has no tremolo circuit in it, and I don't want to change them. I mean, Probably. I would do it, and I was thinking about doing it recently because it is... You, you can... The sag is, is real. <laughs> it's, yeah. started, it's starting to get a little tired, maybe. But, uh, yeah. I just cloned that. Okay. Oh, well, this is the Plex M, right? Yeah. Yeah. So obviously that all brand new components. It's baked. It's done. Okay, cool. Pete Thorne and, and I finished it off. Awesome. And we got to the point where like, well, fuck. I like the new one better. <laughs> <laughs> of course. And so yeah. it, once once you get to that point, you're like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's killer. And so obviously that's all like brain spanking, you know, new components, filter caps, all that kind of stuff. Did you have to, you don't have to say what the tweaks are, but did you have to tweak the circuit at all to make it sound like the 68? Like in uh, some It's degree? almost identical uh, voltage and signal path wise. Uh, I think there was one cap change. I had to, I actually had to take a little more bass out of it. Interesting. I generally find newer reissue, you know, transformers and things generally have a little more bass than the original ones. Okay. 
it just seems to be a across the board. At least that's been my experience. Mm. A little bit. And, and Dan, like you, you, you mentioned sixty-eight as well. Is there a is there a particular combination of values in a in the in a sixty-eight that you, know, you, you think is the magic combination? It's hard to say. Uh, it's like you guys say, and I mean, if you look at any schematic and then you look at a handful of these amps, like you, you yeah. actually break them down and look at them. I mean, you know, um, I think on the, the standard uh, given rule of thumb is on the uh, 68 that you have a 47K resistor hooked to the uh, speaker tip. Mm -hmm. But I've seen them on the 8-ohm tap. I've seen mm -hmm. them on the 4-ohm tap. Um, you know, uh, I've seen a bypass cap on B2A. Sometimes I don't see a bypass cap on B2A. I've seen Correct. the volume coupler change from a 22 nanofarad down to a 2.2 nanofarad. Um, and I've also seen bright caps range from 500 picofarad all the way up to 5,000. Yeah. You know, it just depends on what they have that day at the factory. It, um, uh, I actually got in a really interesting conversation with this once uh, with uh, Ken Underwood, and he's one of the last living guys from the original Ma Marshall factory, the big, uh, the original Rat Pack, I guess you could say. And uh, he follows me on my Facebook page, and I'll put pictures of amps up or repairs or whatnot, and I'll I'll get put a pretty good detailed photograph, and then he'll chime in right away. And I remember once I was doing a restoration on a uh, twelve thousand series Super Bass amp. And uh, he, he said right in the comments, he goes, I wired the heaters for that. And, uh, oh, and wow. <laughs> yeah, he, was, he was like, you know, he goes, because the reason why is the pin one heater, it runs so close to the rest of the pins. Do you know what I mean? He said the majority of those amps that were wired that way, he goes, I did them. And uh, anyways, it was amazing. And then uh, a friend of mine was repairing a, uh, a 68 once and. I forget which it was the V2. It was the V2A resistor. It was it had a one meg, as opposed to a uh, as opposed to a uh, an 820. And uh, he sent me a picture of this. So, anyways, I sent uh, Ken a picture of this. Yeah. And then he sits there, and then he just chuckles, and he goes, "Oh, he goes, you know, he goes, the times were different back then." He goes, "Lad, he goes, you know, he goes, everything was completely different." He goes, "We were building things." He goes, and then when uh, Jim got the Rose Morris deal, he goes, we had to try and get more employees and we had to train these people to build these amps. And a lot of them had no clue, you know, like what they were doing. He goes, that's why, like, if you look at a succession of a, a couple of them, he goes, you know, they're all completely over the map because all these values were so different in these amps. They're just pulling, they're just pulling resistors out of a, out of a drawer. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. 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 It's it's pretty crazy. And then, I mean, you think about it too, because when did park amps come into the equation, Dave? Uh, pretty early, I think. Like like yeah. around 68-ish, I think. Yeah, around that yeah. time. So they were building all these amps with all these basically spare parts. That's what they were doing. And they were building them in a mishmash different amount of ways. And I mean, the you look at the inconsistencies in the transformers they had back then. You look at the inconsistencies in the capacitors that they had back then. Like, I mean... This goes to the exact reason as to why, like, if you were to take two marshals that were built on the same day and put them into a speaker cabinet and then switch them head to head, they're going to sound completely different. You know, it's just because they were built so different back then. That's the thing. And it's, you know, it's pretty neat. I mean, you know, it's it's pretty cool because, I mean, you know, like 
you can build something so different back then, you know, in the exact same day of work. I mean, that's pretty insane. Yeah, you know, and and if they ran out of something, God forbid, they'll put anything in any anywhere. You know, it it was uh, don't have hundred k resistors, eighty two k it is today. I've seen, exactly. I've seen yeah. where every hundred k resistor in the amp was an eighty two k, which means they were out of hundred k. <laughs> yeah, totally. I've man. also seen an amp that had point one mm. couplers across the whole amp. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so everywhere power section <laughs> everywhere was point one couplers, and I'm like. Oh. <laughs> oh, well, the thing about the thing about back in that back in those this days right? doesn't sound right what? well that's Did all that that's it? probably all that oh. all that anyone would know mm-hmm. you know like well, now if that, if that happened now it would be all over the bloody internet with on groups and all yeah. kinds of things right uh, yeah I, you know i've seen stuff unsoldered from the factory <laughs> from like it's been unsoldered since 1960 something or you know <laughs> Yeah. It, it's just been hanging on, wrapped just around touching, a post or right? something, just, just, just touching, touching enough where it worked, I guess, for most of the years. And yeah. I've seen that. I've seen um, wrong, wrong values, like like Dan just said. You know, um, like V two uh, V two A cathode was instead of a twenty ohm, it was a ten k, but it was mm-hmm. underneath the point six eight. So you really couldn't, you didn't you really see it. it until you started digging. Yep. And then uh, I, I ran into that on a park for a client of mm-hmm. mine. And, and like, yep. like, oh, I even missed it the first time around because I w- didn't look underneath that cap. I just assumed it was right. And then I caught it the second time around. I'm like, oh, this is why it never sounded good. <laughs> you, wouldn't, you wouldn't see it. This is right. Yeah. Hey, guys, we've got, a, um, we've got a mod question here, given that this is all about building and modding marshals. I know there's tons of videos on it, but can you explain what the SIR mod is? Which one? Yeah, yeah. well, that's... <laughs> no. Let's go, 34, well, why don't you choose one, Take your you choose one Dave? 34 or 36, or where do you want to go? We talked about, I talked to I Santiago. I mean, 34 is really quite simple. Yeah. I mean, you know, they added um, a, little, uh, a little bit of gain in the second stage with yeah. that point, point one cap a lot of brightness too yes and you know other than that it's some variant little variances of parts and stuff they cut the gain a little bit the 100k after the wiper to ground and mm-hmm. and but boost boosted the mids a bit with the peaker going into the the gain pot uh so that's giving you a broader mid kind of a mid-range kind of to it yeah Yep. Um, which kind of makes sense because then you're doing the point one after, so you kind of want something, have a little meat to it. But I worked on that amp. The Flashes. actual one? Yeah, the actual one. <laughs> I worked on that amp, and that amp... <laughs> That's crazy, man. <laughs> yeah, 6550s. Mm, okay. And that amp was brutally bright. Yeah, yeah. I mean, bright even for a bright lover or something it it was like your trouble and presences like back at three wow. I mean, it was just like hey, it's, it's, just, it's just it's chaotically bright isn't it and um yeah they, it's they, pretty cool yeah i mean you obviously know um you know you know tom abrahams because he was you know yeah. on time talk right and i ended up having a message chat with him i don't know it was a long time ago a couple of years ago 
because he was he loves the 34 he was telling me it's cool it can be cool well he loves it in the mix the point that he was trying to make to me was that he goes like everyone plays that amp by itself and goes oh my god it's just unusable but he said you put it in a mix and Mm -hmm. it's just cuts right through doesn't it yeah 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 Yeah. Yeah. that's the thing people are often scared of these these bright you know I mean, everyone has a different idea what they want to do. Like, for instance, like Eric Johnson, he he loved Marshalls and stuff, but you know, he turned the presence and treble off. I know. Yeah, he's got the very all the way off. Yeah. yeah, and you know, and but he got a cool sound, and you know, so you know, it depends a lot on the player, and you know, what, mm-hmm. what you know what they're going for, how it's recorded, yeah. how it's treated after, um. You know, all that. As far all as that. the other mod, the 36, it adds another gain stage, essentially. Yeah. Um, it's another cold stage, too, isn't it, Dave? It's basically right. another 10K stage, yeah. Yes, another 10K stage, yeah. 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 I mean, there's there there's out there, there's like the this Santiago amp is well-documented and everything about yeah that yeah. whole thing. But, you know, was that even right? The, well, the he told the story original amp doesn't that. exist. Well, this is it. And he, I asked him this question, Dave, when I had him on, on Minion, and, you know, he he went off some, he talked about a book that had photos of the original lamp, actually. I can't oh, remember okay. the name of the book. Um, but he, he said that he didn't, he didn't go trawling the internet trying to find all the guesses at what the, you know, what it was. He just kind of was familiar with the sound of the amp and, and had some ideas about obviously the point one bypass over that ten k cathode is a big yeah. part of it. Mm-hmm. He knew about he knew about that and kind of just went from there. And you know, well, you can kind of um, figure it out because Tim Caswell did that original mod number thirty six, right? Yeah, and Tim Caswell's mod is pretty well documented, so mm-hmm. you can reasonably gather that it was something like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And all those amps had that know. had the hot shield on them too, didn't they? they did oh, that that's 30, a huge hot. difference, and yeah. that's a huge difference. You know that that rolls so much top end off on the on the input cable, and yeah. it sounds kind of honky and funny to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I mean, it it actually sounds sort of funny to me. It sounds like a Waz cocked on a little bit. I and, I've never depending on what kind of shielded cable you use too. So like. A much lower capacitance cable will do less. A, mm-hmm. a reasonably high capacitance cable and hot shielding, it will be like crazy Whoa. roll off. Yeah. You know, for anyone who doesn't know what a what hot a hot shield is on these amps, it's when a coax cable that basically ran from the the input jack on the amp to the very first gain stage, rather than the 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 co- you know the outside of the coax the shield of the coax being grounded which is yeah. what you'd normally do they set it's it to the plate yeah it's got like you know 300 volts on it or something like that and you get it creates a big capacitor with the um mm. with the signal and the wire right and it rolls off top end but i don't know dave when i first kind of learned about the hot shield stuff i just thought this is this is kind of crazy from a safety perspective <laughs> <laughs> like I don't know, three hundred volts on the on the shield yeah. that you're plugging your to a jack that you're plugging your guitar cable into. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I, I I tend to even even in like the JCM 800s that have that and stuff, I tend to take it out. Yeah, 
I think it sounds better, to be honest. I think it yeah. just sounds more open and, you know, just sort of better. I mean, I understand rolling it off, but yeah. Um, it sounds better without it. A few people here are wishing you a happy birthday, Dave. I'm already way behind in the chat here. Um, there's a question for you, Dave. More more guitars. Well, I have anyone. no idea. Yeah. You've They're there. They're there. I, I know they don't answer their phone and they don't have a website and they don't answer their email either. I don't know how they do anything, so I'm not sure. Yeah, well, they're still putting product out, right? Um, yeah, but I mean, I don't know how. I, I, I don't get it. I don't understand. So, but uh, legendary Bruce Agnator goes, couldn't you just have a small cap instead of a hot shield? Yes, you could. Yes. <laughs> Is Bruce in the chat? Yes. And, uh, you could, and you could do that one of many ways also. That's yeah, true. This is it, Bruce. And, and I am pretty sure the plate, a cap to the the um cathode, a, a cap to ground. I I asked Santiago this question because when he did the AFD one hundred, right? Yeah. He he didn't put a hot shield in it. No. Like, it's like, no way. But he did that. He just rolled off, I don't know where he put it, Dave. I can't remember. I think he as you said, that well that amp's pretty well documented and available on the internet. So People can people can check it up. Nice to see you here, Bruce. That's that's awesome. Um, yeah. Legendary Tones is saying, Dan, you you built him a 68 1200 series 100 watt VH spec. That yep. sounds awesome. It's phenomenal. Yep. I love punch more than the 68 50 watt models. I know Dan and Dave prefer the 50s, but I think they're wrong. Oh, uh, you know, I uh, let, me, let me. I own this 50, and it's a great sounding 50, and I love yeah. it. Do I prefer a 50? I don't know if I prefer a 50. Yeah. Uh, 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 a great 100 watt is awesome, too. <laughs> yeah. They both so, have a specific purpose, I think. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I don't, you know, my particular 50 sounds a certain way, and I like it. Uh, but. Yeah. A lot of yeah. them don't. So I, I mean, I've I've worked on many twelve series hundred watt plexis, including well, the one. Yeah. Yes. And uh, the, <laughs> the one. <laughs> the one. Yeah. And you know the the twelve series is interesting because you know it's got lower plate voltage uh, a little bit. Mm. Or what were the what were the plates? Though? Was it four four sixty to. 470 range or yep. halfway in between or somewhere in that range generally all the 12 series that i've ever seen have been there yeah uh, right. and then they have the lower filtering on the screens yeah and uh, uh the the uh, phase inverter cap can vary it can mm -hmm. be 100 or it can be like 40 or i've seen it 50 i've seen a few things and it was it was 100 and it was 100 in eds and eds yeah I think um, and 33 Maybe it wasn't originally but uh it was 100 in the yeah. end and then the preamp caps were 33s 33s that yeah. was pretty and common for the uh, across the board the dual little cap they used mm -hmm. and um you know the weird thing about ed's amp was it was a, a 50k mid pot yeah, yeah. that's max uh, and that was original Mm -hmm. yep. So that 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 goes again. Marshall ran out of pots that day, and they threw in the 50k because they had it from the tremolo amps. Yeah, <laughs> that makes it. That's it. Makes it. Well, I use that. So Dave, I 
in my 1987 T, the Tremolo amp, um, it still had the original pots for the Tremolo circuit, even though that had been taken out, the rest yeah. of the circuit. So I did that. I, I swapped the... I put the took the 50k out and put it into the mid pot position on that amp with the with the original 50k pot. So, well, um, you know, if you if you look at that, if you do like a, a tone stack calculator thing, yeah. and you just yeah. look at changing the value from the two. Yeah. In in reality, it's it it's just all it's doing is taking the mids up. Yeah. You know, and and uh, and and if you actually turn the value down of the 50k pot simulated, right? it puts it right back to where it was. <laughs> yeah, right. You know, it just, it just, yeah. But that prevents that crashing that happens. You know, you know that crashing when the trouble. I've heard you talk about this before. When yeah. When yeah, everything's when on, on, 10, on 10, often yeah. with often the trouble being on 10, there's this crashing thing that happens. And if you turn the trouble back to eight, it goes away. Mm-hmm. And uh, almost sounds like the same sound as if you turn the mid down which you can't do. Right. Your tone controls are almost useless, really. But <laughs> yeah. you, you turn if you turn the mid down, it's a horrible crashing sound also, right? So with the 50K mid pot, though, it kind of fixes that problem because it's boosting the mid some, so you don't, you don't get that same thing, which I always wondered because most of the marshals I had, I always had to turn the treble to eight. But with Ed's, you turn everything on 10, it was great. Yeah, interesting. So, so that's 50K, 50K. So, and then I looked a little further and I was like, oh, it's a 50K mid pot. Mm. I've seen some of those and played some of those mods and I've even tried it myself where you lift the ground on the mid altogether and basically pull the tone stack out completely. I don't like it. It's kind no, of like, no, no, no. You've got to have that tone stack there. Even if yeah. you've got everything yeah. on 10. Yeah. yeah you got to have it there. Yeah. You got to have it. It's just no, no good. Sure. Yeah. Um, you do. Mike's here. Hey, Mike. Good to see you, man. Mike's getting all excited about the new uh, the new SLO preamp that was teased on the uh, yeah the, um, on the Facebooks yesterday. Well, yesterday, my time anyway. Um, here's an interesting question for you two guys because Dan, I know that you use Mercury magnetic transformers pretty much mm-hmm. exclusively, and Dave, I know you're so so on them. So question here is from Vince, do you think Mercury magnetics are worth the money or are there others out there that perform the same for less? Oh, um, I mean, I think the Mercury sounds fine. I did, I did a, I have a transformer switcher that I can actually in real time switch transformers, which is fun to hear. Outputs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's nice. It's fun you to put hear. Four transformers on it, right? You should think. Yeah, four, you can you put can up to four transformers on it, but it's fun oh. to hear. I mean, you might want to stop playing while you actually switch it, but um, <laughs> but it's fun to hear because then you really hear, you know, what the difference that would is. Be so cool. If you change it out, you will trick yourself into believing that something is this much better or that worse. Yeah. And, you know, it's yeah. it's a bias and. Uh, I mean, I mean, for me, the most accurate Marshall Transformer style Habor. thing is is Habor. Yeah, I think that's the most accurate to the original. Personally, mm-hmm. with the M6 steel, would be the most accurate to the original. Um, mm-hmm. The M19 steel sounds good. It's a little more rolled in the top, um, mm-hmm. which can be good also. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, both that's... are good. I, I think that's the most accurate to 
to the Marshall. I mean, I think Mercury's expensive. They are uh, very expensive. Is it worth? Is it? I don't believe at at all. It's worth the amount of money that's charged compared to the Haybor. I've always used alternatives, but the the one thing I find for Mercury for me, uh, just from my standpoint, because I, I'm a single person and I'm I'm a single operator. Mm -hmm. um, I can approach them. I can tell them what I want for a B plus. I can tell them what I want for a, a primary impedance on, a, on an output transformer and they'll do it. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's uh, it's a little harder for me to get that done through someone, say, like Haybor, um, because they're doing so, so many high volume orders. I've worked with Hammond as well. Um, Hammond are really good, actually, as well. I, I, their transformers sound great. Um, but the only thing it all boils down to uh like where i'm at with amp building i mean you know it's uh for me to uh go into say get a uh a skid of uh 50 custom transformers from hammond i mean i'm into them for quite a bit and it's just the ease of simplicity for me like uh with my 12,000 series amp i run it at a, a certain voltage so they make that transformer for me mm -hmm. um for my woodside amp I want a really high B plus in that amp. They'll make me that uh, type of transformer. Mm -hmm. So it's all convenience is what it is. Yeah. But the one thing, the one thing I will say, and I'm, I'm really disappointed in it. Uh, you know, the prices of everything are just going through the absolute roof. And uh, you know, it's uh, I've used mercury in a lot of, a lot of amps, but I mean, it's the most recent price increase. It's just crazy. And I know a lot of other independent small amp builders like myself, and they've used them before. And now a lot of guys are starting to look for different alternatives because, like, yeah. they may end up pricing themselves out of business. Yeah. yeah. No, yeah. I mean, it, it's um, it's sort of ridiculous, the prices. I mean, you know, it, it sort of is. Yeah. It, 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 I understand what you're saying, though. Yeah, you can get yeah. something, you know, as a small builder – yeah, you want onesie twosies, and you can get a custom wound. Well, yeah. you're paying for the onesie twosies for sure. You know, yeah, um, yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, have, I mean, I can get Haybor to do whatever I want, really. You know, if I yeah. say, "Hey, I like this, I'll, I like this power transformer, but I would like the B plus to be here." You know, I can I can get them to change it. Who do you communicate with there, Dave? Is it Arlen? Is that who Arlen? You're talking yeah, Arlen. Yeah. Yeah, Arlen's a good guy, but you got to remember this is a this is a company that is, is very antiquated. Yeah, uh, I'm school. very very old school. Uh, not hmm? very modern in anything no. they do. No, and they go fishing. They go fishing on Fridays. Okay. So wow. so you know when you send an email, it's like several days to get an answer back. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's 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 yeah. a little bit of a slow process, but. But yeah. uh, you know they're good guys. Um, yeah, yeah. They they're definitely, they're definitely caught up. Sorry, Dave. They're, they're definitely caught up on the whole because they got so backlogged during the pandemic period that they weren't answering email. Anyone that wanted less than ten of anything, they were just they just couldn't deal with it. But that yeah. seems to have, seems to have corrected now. I know. Yeah. I know a bunch of people that have gone in and and ordered ones and twosies, Dave, and mm -hmm. they and they're getting them from Hayboard now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. so they seem to be all caught up. So if you, yeah, if anyone's mm. looking just for, you know, mm. just for individual sets, they'll, they'll, they'll do yeah. it now. Oh, they're, they're a very friendly company to deal with it. Uh, I've, I've dealt with them on quite a few occasions. It, uh, 
and, and the way that they ship stuff, I got to say they're probably the best transformer uh, uh, shipping the way that they 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 package their stuff and how it yeah. gets sent because it's it's coming to Canada. I mean, it's it's shipped bulletproof. It's really good, you know. Mm -hmm. And they are very friendly to deal with too. Yeah. Hmm. So Bruce is I, saying I mean, there's that, really no one else, you know. Yeah. Well, this is true, man. Um, I mean, there's Haymore, there's Mercury, there's uh, Hammond, uh, there's Pacific. Pacific. Uh, and that's it. And then there's another one other company that does stuff for Matchless. The, what's the what's the uh, Idcore or something of the? Oh right. Used, yeah, 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 yeah. They're always blue. Yeah, right? yeah. yeah. They have a lot yeah. of little transformers. I noticed. Yeah, mm -hmm. made with nice stuff. Yeah, mm -hmm. they seem to be. They seem to be right at a reasonable um, price. Yep. You know, certainly there's no Dagnall anymore. Right, Dave. No Drake. There's no Dagnall. <laughs> Dagnall's gone. Um, you know, funny funny thing about that is I, I I had another transformer that wasn't what you were talking about there, Jason. That was doing the same thing. It would vibrate oh, really? at the frequency. Would make the end cap have a little pitch. Yeah. And then I hit it with a hammer, and it changed pitch. It, yes. Pitch, a pitch was still there. It just changed the tone of the pitch. <laughs> For anyone who doesn't know what we're talking about, I've got and Dan, I'll tell you the story quickly. I had a um, a reissue JCM eight hundred. You know the two two o three X, a new one that was sent to me. So two thousand and twenty three. The guy had just bought it off the shop floor here and sent it straight to me for a mod yeah. and i you know powered the amp on yeah. and the there was a a one kilohertz ring coming from the power transformer and when you touch the transformer it would stop the oscillation would stop it sounded like a test signal you know you put 1k a 1k signal into your amp it sounded just I like that I had the exact same thing happen with a brand new classic tone transformer as well. It was just vibrating. The shell was just vibra vibrating just at the right frequency. Wow. I hit it with a hammer. <laughs> fixed it. it. Well, mine didn't fix it, but it changed the pitch of it. <laughs> Did it go up or down? And what was it? Was, down. It, was it quite high pitch to, to begin with? Yes. And it was driving me crazy because I was sitting there on the bench. It's sitting on the bench. I'm like, that's driving me crazy. <laughs> Oh man, that was like I was listening to this thing and going, nah. Like, if I send this to the to the owner, even when you put it in the head cab, you're still going to hear it. He's going to think that. And this oh, was a Haybor. This was a Haybor doing it. Oh really? Yeah, it was with Germino amp, so I'm pretty sure it was a Haybor. Yep. Yeah. He uses was. a lot of those. I think he uses them, and he uses uh, Chris Marin quite a bit too. Oh yeah. Oh, maybe it was Chris Marin. Yeah, I didn't pay attention. Yeah. Does Chris is. Is Marin winding his own transformers, or does he just have specs that get wound by Tabor? No, he winds them. Winds he them. makes them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Awesome. Nice, nice transformers. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, we've he's a lot of good things. He's an interesting guy to talk to because the thing is, I've talked to him on several occasions on the phone. Like, he love, he'll love to talk to you on the phone. And uh, when I call him, um, like he loves hockey. He's originally from New York, from upstate. So he's a East Coast guy and he yeah. talks about hockey. And then he also talks about Moosehead Beer, which is literally about 15 to 20 kilometers down the road. And he tells me all the time, oh, he goes, I love that Moosehead Beer, eh? He goes, that's the best stuff known to man. So every now and then, if I'll ever have one, I'll take a picture of it and then I'll text him a picture of the Moosehead Beer. <laughs> just to rub it like in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, just to rub it in, eh? But yeah. oh my god, 
Chris can talk. Holy camoly. That man can talk. Yeah, I've had a couple conversations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I've, I've, yeah. I've I have, bought a couple things from him over time. Yeah, there, it's good stuff. I have a funny feeling his uh, his uh, storage area where he has, he's got a lot of steel. Like, he's got a lot of it, I think. It, uh, it's, it's pretty insane. Yeah, they're cool. They're good transformers. Yeah. Anthony's saying there's a there are these two of only two prototype marshals made for, for Doug Eldritch marked DLA on the front with Sharpie. Have we ever seen them? So nope. this is the is that the John Sir didn't John Sir mod Doug's JMPs? John Sir. Yeah. The ones that Doug used were John Sir. Mm-hmm. Not Mark Cameron's. Yeah, and this is the John Sir mod, not the yeah. Mark Cameron mod. Mm-hmm. And the Mark Cameron Aldrich is a four-stage plate-fed design, isn't it, yeah, Dave? I think so. And John's is a normal cathode follower, but with an extra stage. Yeah, I think it's similar to the SE100 amp that he would yes. do and stuff. I think it's basically the same thing. Which is kind of channel three of the CAE plus kind of, it's that vibe, isn't it? Somewhere. Yeah, I think, I think so, but with a a uh, uh, front value coupling cap shrunk. Okay. Tighten it up. Yeah. You know what? Short time. I got to go. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Dan, good to see you. Yeah. Thanks, uh, I, I said I could only pop in for a minute, but I thought. Yeah, I yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's all so, good, man. Guys, see you. Whoever's in the chat. Bye. Have a good one. <laughs> see right. you, Dave. Bye. Yeah. Bye. See you, buddy. Um, oh you always. Yeah, always nice to have a cameo from Dave. Yeah, um, yeah. a good cat. Always adds to the adds to the yeah. adds to the excitement. Um, right, I let's have a look here. Um, yeah, Marvel. This is a, probably a question we we could we probably wanted to get before Dave jumped off. Maybe Marvel, you can save that one up for the next time Dave's on, or or maybe you can ask him on Tone Talk. Look, I know that. I mentioned this on a stream, the stream a couple of times. Um, got, I've got to know I've got to know Kyle Rhodes really well at KSR. Yeah, and Kyle is definitely has ambitions to to expand to that. I mean, he Kyle's expanded to the point now where he does everything: woodwork, yeah. scene, makes chassis. Yeah, um, he's got PCB stuffing machines. He basically everything, but the piece, but, but the PCB fabrication itself, which is you know, almost always outsourced yeah. to China, um, but absolutely has an ambition to get to the point of transformers. I don't know. I think it's just it's just kind of quite specialized. Yeah, Bruce yeah. Kyle is the best. Yeah, yeah, Kyle yeah. is awesome, man. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So BAD. Look, I don't. I don't know. I don't know, mate. I mean, it probably would take. You know. It would take a lot of space and some expertise, and while they've still got Haber there, you know, supplying them what they need at a at a decent price, it's probably not a not a priority, is my guess. Yeah. Um, yeah. Transformer is really the heart and soul of your amp, too. I mean, if he's got something that's working really good for his particular application, then you know, why change? Yeah, this is it. So, Dan, I'm going to ask you a couple of questions, man, about building yeah. about building amps, if that's cool. Sure. So, I think a lot of the guys that listen to this stream or, or this channel mm-hmm. are either they're already 
doing DIY builds or yep. or they want to, but they kind yep. of they just haven't figured out kind of where to start or or you know mm-hmm. so on. So what would your for someone starting out and wanting to kind of just build their own stuff, what would be your what would be your advice? You know, someone they want to build a let's just say hypothetical, you know, they want to build themselves a fifty watt Marshall. Well, uh, you know, uh, it's always good before you do anything to do all of your investigative research first. Um, you have to understand a couple things about tube amps. You know, it's like uh, I've got. I don't know what edition of the RCA tube manual I have, but I, I think I read that thing probably about six to 12 times nonstop, you know? And I mean, it's all basic stuff, but I mean, the thing is, is it explains how the vacuum tube works and, and you know, how whatever is going to impart change to it. And I mean, that's the number one thing that a lot of these people have to understand is that uh, you, you do have to have a little bit of uh, common knowledge of uh, electricity and electronic circuits and how vacuum tubes work. And, you know, so, so you have to do that work first. That's the thing. But um, when I really got into this, uh, you know, that was when George Metropolis was really uh, building his, uh, his, uh, his building yep. manuals and stuff like that. Yep. And I used those for the first little bit as a, as a, as a good little <clears throat> resource. And then once I got past about my uh, third or fourth, then I was like, no, you know, we can change this. We can change this. We can ground this in a different spot. You know, we can, uh, we can, we can, we can not necessarily re-engineer the amp, but, uh, you know, make it a little bit safer make it a little bit more uh, practical. And uh, so the biggest thing, like I say to hobby builders, guys like that is, you know, is, uh, do your due diligence and uh, read as much as you possibly can as to why they work the way that they do and, uh, and, and look into the circuits, you know, and that's probably the best information that I can. Yeah. Give. So if we drill down on that a little bit and Bruce is saying here, um, mm-hmm. yeah, learn to read schematics and use test equipment. This is true. He's a hundred percent correct because you <laughs> go into a lot, a lot of the forums and, and the guys, they don't understand it. You know, they'll go to a voltage chart and they'll look at it and they'll say, well, I'm supposed to have, you know, 223 volts on pin one and I'm supposed to have 25 on pin three. I mean, just going with numbers for figurative purposes. But I mean, the thing is, is like they don't understand. And I've had this conversation with many people before, especially when I repair amps for them. And I'll tell them exactly how I fix it. I, I put the input signal into it from my tone generator and then i go through the whole thing with my oscilloscope and i yep. look at the signal to determine whether or not all these parts are working the exact way that they're supposed to work and i mean you know it's like those are two extremely invaluable tools that you know you need to you need to learn how to do and the other thing without a question of a doubt you definitely have to try and do some kind of due diligence and learn how to read an actual schematic and not a layout yeah now yeah. i think that um i mean yeah 100 percent agree with all of that and i think Ooh. that um because i remember going through this you know i guess this learning curve or getting this understanding and developing yeah. this understanding myself yeah. Yeah. and and i can recall it i can recall kind of recall the steps or the main kind of like you know i said to bruce i remember asking bruce when bruce was on yep. the first live stream with, with his teachings whether there was a a common kind of aha moment that 
yeah. that the people going to his class or course would would have and he said it was different for everybody but i couldn't yeah. remember the kind of the aha moments that i had and i think the first thing that um is a real stumbling block for people trying to learn you know how these amplifiers work is mm. that they just see the whole thing yeah. and it looks complex mm-hmm. and they they don't know how to break it down into components right? because the amplifier is made up of different components, if you like. And I don't mean, when I say component, I don't mean resistor or capacitor. I mean like a subsystem of the amplifier that does a, performs a role or does a job. Yeah. Such as the power supply, you know, or uh, a triode gain stage or, you know, what happens with the audio signal between gain stages and how you manage that or yeah. like, you know, negative feedback and what, what that is and so on. And yeah. kind of getting to the point of being able to, as soon as you can take a complex system and break it into parts, you can then study each part That's in right. isolation without worrying about the rest of it. That's right. And, and I think that my advice for people kind of starting on the journey, I mean, all that stuff, right? Learning schematics and all the rest of it. But even looking at a schematic, people will just get look at it and go, "It's like reading a different language that you've never studied," and you just can't, you can't yeah. read it, right? But right. if you were, if you're able to look at that and then go, "Well, all I'm going to look at is um, uh, the high voltage secondaries off the power transformer, the rectifier, and the mains filter caps. Mm-hmm. That's all I'm going to look at." Yeah. It's only three things, right? You're looking at rather than three hundred, and then That's you right. can, you know what I mean? Like it's breaking that breaking that thing down. I think is the, the most important piece. That's right. That that's absolutely right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, that, that's absolutely right. And you have to break it down into subsections of the amplifier, like what does what. You know, your preamp. And then you take into consideration if you're, you know, say you're doing like a JCM 800 amp, you know, you have various uh, voltage dividers to the circuit. You, it's, it's a good idea to understand why they do what they do, you know, and then, um, you know, it's your, your screen supply, your phase inverter, your negative feedback circuits, um, uh, filtering in itself and understanding how filtering works and why it's there, you know, yeah. I mean, that's another thing, you know, there is definitely a lot to it, you know, and it's, I don't know, you, your, your understanding and grasp of it is very good. It, um, you know, it's, I really admire your passion for this and how you've really taken it on. I mean, your amps are awesome, you know, and it's, I mean, they're, they're a marvel of engineering for what they do. They really <laughs> are. And one of these days, I hope, I hope to get where, where it's at, but I mean, you know, it's, like everybody takes things in, in different, uh, in different stages and it, uh, you know, and I think you're absolutely right about learning how to read schematics, but, you know, just to look at things like your mains filtering or whatnot, or break it down into sections, you know, yeah. it's, uh, yeah, that, that's a big part of it. It's a big part of troubleshooting them too, when you have to repair it. Them it is, it is, man, because if you, if you kind of get a grasp of what each of the main, let's yeah. call it subsystems or, you know, whatever, yeah. In, oh, yeah. in the amplifier and what and what their role is and job is, then troubleshooting becomes infinitely easier, and and yep. so does and so does modding because if you want to change, um, what the circuit is doing, obviously yep. an understanding of the thing is is really helpful. Look, I think that um, 
the thing that uh, with the YouTube channel, right, that I started a few years back now, and I did, mm-hmm. I did focus. I haven't done one of these for a little while, I'll be honest, but I did focus on in the early stages, particularly trying to put together some kind of educational content. Yeah, and you know there were. One of the things I found with doing that, of course, and any I guess any teacher or educator would say this, is that mm. when you have, when you actually have to try and explain how something works to mm. someone else, mm. it forces you to have to get a, an extremely good understanding of the subject matter because you you, have you have can't explain day. something. Yes. You know you can't you can't explain something complex mm-hmm. in simple terms if you don't understand it incredibly thoroughly yourself and that's absolutely 125 percent correct yeah yeah so it was a huge it was actually doing those videos and those early stages of the channel i found really actually helpful for myself because it forced me to knuckle down on certain things and like really trying to you know really really understand what the hell was going on you know to the point where you know, for the first time, I started drawing load lines and all kinds of stuff because I was I was forcing myself to really yep. understand what was going on yep. um, inside a twelve AX seven and a you know um, yeah. and so on. So I think it's really you know it's it's critical, right? So um, I think for guys that I I reckon like in terms of understanding schematics, I would my recommendation would be to start and either either the back end of the amplifier or the front end. And what I mean by that is like um, just focus on what's going on with the B plus line, getting the power supply stuff, right? So maybe start there and think Mm -hmm. about like, okay, I'm plugging AC mains into this amp, right? It's AC. If anyone Mm -hmm. doesn't know, um, the amplifier actually – you know the gain stages in the in the amp, including the obviously the power tubes. They want DC, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and this might sound stupidly obvious to a lot of people, but maybe some people don't yeah. realise this, right? Yeah. That yeah. you have a whole part of the amp. Um, you know, maybe it's tube rectified, maybe it's solid state, and then mm. the mains filter caps, screens filter caps, and so on. Whose job it is is to convert that AC into DC. And if you can look at some schematics and start to and layouts, maybe just to orientate yourself and yep. start to understand what's going on there that's a huge part of the amp that you'll be able yep. to then componentize in your brain yes right and looking at the front end you know the other the other side of the coin if you like is to trace your audio signal through the amp yeah and you mentioned that dan with your scope right you put a mm-hmm. test signal into the front end and with an oscilloscope right. you can trace it yeah. through well you can do that with a schematic as well of course right you can yeah 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 um what about yeah bro, bro, i got a few of the a few of the comments in the chat here right um so um yeah victor was an ex-navy avionic electronic Worked on planes, never on the bench. <laughs> yeah, all the training books had tube circuits. Well, that's cool, man. Yeah. Um, yeah, definitely need to get Toby saying wants to get the RCA designers manual. Yeah, look, there's PDF versions of this kicking around. A hundred percent. Yeah, you can yeah. definitely get. There's um, some good free, free publications on the internet too that you can read. Uh, 
you know, uh, some points of uh, Jack Dar's uh, uh, amplifier handbook. They're really good. You know, it's it, it's all it's all pertinent information. I mean, you know, it's you read it and then you read it a second time and you read it a third time. And every time you read it, you learn something new. You know what I mean? Yeah. And um, Victor and Toby are both saying, yeah, block diagrams. So I guess what I was talking about there in terms of kind of cut, you know, compartmentalizing parts yeah. of the amp into into bits, this yeah. is exactly what I'm saying, right? Because if you just if you just look at the whole thing and try to absorb that in one go, you'll never it'll never make sense to you. Oh, it never makes sense. No, not at all. I know. Yeah, yeah it, it it definitely takes a lot. Question here. Uh, I've got a bunch more questions for you, Dan, about about building, which I'm going to get to in a sec. But we've got a question here from PF says, "Hey guys, love the show. Thanks, man." Two questions: Biasing tubes. Do you input zero signal for most accuracy? We'll deal with that one first. Yeah, and second best place to tie in B plus for an FX loop on an eighty one J clone JCM eight hundred for low noise. Low noise. Happy Dave Day. Okay. Happy Dave Day. <laughs> Uh, yeah, typically when you, uh, the best way to bias an amp is to uh, set all your controls to absolute zero. Um, yeah. You have it plugged into a, a significant load. And then what you do is, is uh, I always let them run about 10 minutes to let the voltage completely stabilize. And then once it's stabilized, you'll take it off of your plate. And then what you do is you use your uh, calculator and then you set it to 50, 60 or 70% dissipation, whatever you want. But typically, that's how I've always biased an amp. I don't know if it's right or wrong, but that's what works for me. Um, same. I always put it into a load. I just have on, on the bench, I have a 300-watt, mm -hmm. 16-ohm uh, resistor. Yep. It's about the size of, uh, look, it's about yay big. Right. Oh yeah, it looks yeah. like a, it, it looks like a big buddy radiator or something. One of the um, big aluminum encased ones. It's kind of like a um, it feels like a kind of ceramic yeah. porcelain kind of. Well, maybe it's got that's the coating on it anyway. I just got mm -hmm. it off Mauser. I just searched around yep. and found it. Found yeah, the three, I bought three on eBay. Probably very similar. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely not the. Definitely not the. Those little. A lot of people get the those hundred watt orange. Um, you know, load or low resistors. You often, you sometimes see them inside amps as as you know dummy loads and so on. Yeah, um, yeah. Those only those are only rated at, at their claimed wattage if you have them bolted to a, a big metal chassis or a heat sink or something like that. Right. Yeah. I think people make make the mistake of just using yeah. those and wiring them straight up with on a you know maybe they might screw them into a block of wood or something like that. Don't yeah. don't do that. So yeah, you always want to have a load. Um, and exactly what Dan said, no, no input signal. Like you're measuring the bias at idle. So mm -hmm. you don't, you don't want the, you don't want the tubes doing anything other than just kind of sitting there. That's exactly um, right. Do, do you find if you let them run, say a half hour, do, do you, do you get much drift in your amps when you, when you look yeah, at Yeah, look, it's, it does vary from amp to amp, I think. And I don't know whether that's because, you know, it's the it's the amp, or whether it's just the pair of tubes or the quad of tubes that that are under mm -hmm. under under investigation. That's but right. I do as a, as a matter of routine, and I will um, I'll check it, I'll check it the first time, mm -hmm. um, and then I will 
um, I'll probably put a load into it. Oh, sorry, I'll probably put a signal into it and run them for a bit to like have them have them work. You know, work it up, and yeah. then and yeah, and then leave it, leave it mm-hmm. for a bit. You know, yeah, twenty cool. minutes or whatever, and then see what see where we're at. Who do um, you use for for tubes down in Australia, Jason? Yeah, good question, man. I get mine from directly from CE Distribution. Yeah, they're good. It's still the most, even with shipping, right? So the thing about Oz that you know we battle with down here, obviously, is the shipping costs. Oh, I know. Um, and I mean, our currency is, you know, it's about the Aussie dollar is about uh, well, it's one point five Aussie dollar to one US dollar at the moment, and it has been for quite some time. Um, it was a long time ago. It's been. Yeah. It's probably the same for Canadian dollar, is it? It's for me to buy an American dollar is probably around a buck twenty-five to a buck thirty. Okay, yeah, so, so we're a little bit, a little bit worse. I, I remember in 2010, 2011, we reached parity with the US, which was incredible. I think there was a lot right. of uh, yeah. a lot of people here that were buying a lot of stuff out of the US yeah. at that point. Oh, but yeah. that was all long, long time ago. Yeah. Um. So see, you can buy like there are. You know, there's a bunch of suppliers here, mm-hmm. but they're not set up for they're not set up for the industry. They're set up to sell to individuals. You know, like the you know the individual that you know has been on the Facebook group and was told that what they needed to do was to buy some new tubes. So mm-hmm. I'll go on one of the suppliers here that will sell. You know, there were a lot of here. There were a lot of bad tubes that came out after the whole tube pandemic too, and all that. Uh, all that stuff came around it um oh my goodness i had people because i repair amps too and i had people that would bring me tubes and then i've got the uh, maxi matchers that peter toms made for me yeah i've got one of those yeah and i test all the tubes and then all of a sudden you know within a couple hours later on they get an iphone video from me and i tell them i'd say you know like you bought a match set of tubes but i mean you've got like 15 milliamps difference between the two of them and i'd have my fingers point to each uh each tube and whatnot, but I mean, like a lot of bad tubes were sold through that tube pandemic because everyone wanted them so bad at that given point in time, they just bought whatever they could. So a lot of these dud tubes that a lot of these resellers had, like they got sold. (laughs) Yeah. Not good. Yeah. I've tried the CEAP Apex uh, tubes are really good when they're, um, They're, you know, that the Apex matcher is really tight. I find it extremely accurate, and I like to get them to where they're burnt in. That's how I like to do it. Um, oh, I've okay. tried, yeah, I've tried Ruby tubes too, which are pretty good, and I've used the tube store in Canada, which is really good as well. Um, I've tried almost everyone that I can, but most of the time myself too, I, I get them from CE distribution. I try and get almost everything from those guys, and that's you know? the um. Them, they still have the most competitive pricing for you, even compared to local anything local. Yeah, yeah. well, it's, yeah. it's the reliability. It's the reliability because it's. I'll put the tubes in, and like I know that the tubes are going to work. I know that they're going to be good. I'll give you a perfect example. I had a guy in uh, Buffalo. I built a really nice guy down in New York, um, two nineteen eighty seven amps because he was doing an ACDC tribute band, and anyway. Um, like I keep a note on every amp that I've ever built and uh, I have, I have books. And anyway, I knew exactly what tubes I put in the amp because I marked them with a paint marker on the top. 
And anyway, uh, I put them into the amp. He, he sent me the amp. We went in a roundabout way. He wanted to get Jimmy Page tone out of it. And I told him, I said, a super 50-watt Marshall, it's not the sound you want. But the lead circuit, I said, forget it. I said, it needs to be changed. So we kept going back and forth because I get a lot of my customers that call me on the phone. Anyway, mm -hmm. he decided that he was going to send it back to me. I gave him a very competent tech in New York. I gave him, you know, a couple different guys. But his issue with that was... Uh, he would have done a fantastic job and and all three of us are mutual friends by the way and anyway but he didn't want to do the uh three and a half hour drive into the city and then three and a half hour drive back that's what it all boiled down to so he boxed it up and sent it to me and then i converted the amp to a 1986 and i sent him a video you know with my poor playing but anyway when i took the amp apart i checked it out and you know i i put the tubes in the tester and they were just as strong as the day that i put the the things in like well, it was amazing. they're excellent quality tubes they're really good and it's like me myself i pretty much only use the jj tubes uh i i find them pretty reliable for what i need them for you know yeah. yeah yeah i'm gonna i'm i'm gonna go to this comment here i'm gonna come back yeah. i know this pf's got the second part of the question here and i'm gonna oh, don't worry it man I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna yeah. come back to it right but um yeah mark has just jumped in hey mark um what are l34 tubes you using yeah i'm using the jj's as well mm. and i've had um i think they sound great i mean yeah you know they, they do just, they just yeah. they're just good i mean they're not and and what I mean, I don't think they have a particular special tone, but they just don't sound bad. <laughs> That's right. what I mean by that. Yeah. Super reliable. I've only had because um, I do like like Dan mentioned any any new quad that I pull out of the box that's shipped mm. to me from CE. I put on it. I put on the Maxi Match tester as well, yeah. and I'll let them kind of warm up nicely on there, and I'll actually check for that the matching, and they are super tight. Yeah, and I think I've only had in the last year uh an example where one one of the quad was noisy i didn't didn't detect it on the on the tube tester because it tested okay but when i actually put it into the amplifier and got it up and running yeah. once the amp was hot all the tubes were hot i was getting some kind of like rumble and noise that was definitely coming from one of those tubes but apart from that they've been great i know dave has been using the ps vane el34s as well yeah, he does. And, I, and I think awesome. he uses the EH. He uses the EH uh, preamp tubes, the seventy twenty five. Well, not anymore. I think he's run oh. out. Yeah, oh, okay. he's using JJ in this first slot. Okay. And starting, I'm pretty sure he's starting to use PS Vane across the rest, across into the I've, cathode I've, follower and phase inverter and so on. I've tried some of them, and I find they can <clears> be a little bit microphonic, but maybe that's where I'm getting them from. That's what those EH seven hundred two fives because I I was using those too. This was you know pre 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 war, right? I yeah. was yeah. I had a big bunch of big stack of those things. Found mm. them to be super reliable and low microphonic. They are slightly lower gain, yeah. I think. Yeah, um, which can a be good. Of, a lot of runs on, are lower gain, I find. Yeah, it depends on the circuit that you're in, right? Like you know, some people yeah. will say, "Oh no, not lower gain," but like if you've got you know, four gains to age plus cathode follower circuit. Oh yeah. Then maybe that little bit of lower lower gain from the triodes is actually what you need. It's gonna help you. Um, yeah. So yeah. the second part of the question here was um best place to tie in B plus for an effects loop on an eighty one clone for low noise. Look, I if you if you're talking about an L N D one fifty style 
loop, right. which is, yeah. you know, let's kind of call it a bit of an industry yeah. standard these days. Yeah. Um, most people, including myself, will pull that off the phase inverter node. Yeah. Um, I have seen, and I have done this a bunch too, pulling it off a screen supply, but typically off the screen supply, you've got to drop the voltage a lot to get Big it to the point where a loop like that will be happy. Because you're looking for in those LND150 style loops, you're looking for, you know, 300, 300 yeah, on the yeah. loop side. Yeah. You know, so um, your phase inverter depends on the style of the amp, right? But if, you're, if your phase inverter is running at about 335, 340, then you mm -hmm. probably only want a 22K dropper and then your, your loop's probably going to be cool. And if it's up at 360, 370, you probably need 33K, yeah. um, I find. Yeah, but phase inverters pretty pretty good right you need, need to be aware and again it will get a little bit of variation on this depending mm. but when you put a loop in one of those loops into an existing amp yeah um the voltages from the node that you tap into and downstream through the rest of the preamp all the voltages are going to drop they're going to drop yeah so you need to be aware of that and that might make the amp sound better <laughs> Or not, you don't. You don't know, right? So, um, and I remember, and was it George's original instructions for the Metro? He he would talk about um, if you want you to, you can adjust. Yeah, you substitute that second resistor. So yeah. if you had two ten Ks in series, I, I can't remember. It's been so long since I read it, but I mean, you might, you might put it at eight K two or something like that, a ten and an eight K two, or a five point six or whatnot. You know what I mean? You put that in there, and then basically what that happened was is um, the the amount of draw, even though whether it's on or off, it always has power, so it's going to draw a current. And then what happens is because of that, then it's gonna it's gonna affect all your voltage right down to the very first pin on the preamp tube. So it uh, so you know it just it helped with it. So it retained the original voltages pre the effect loop. Exactly. Yeah. His question You're... though, he was asking here about the uh, for low noise. I don't think you'd get much noise from the mm. the B plus signal going to the loop. No. 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 no, exactly. And I think if you're looking for low noise on your loop, there's other techniques that you'd want to employ, which is basically making sure that you use any any kind of any length where you need to run the audio signal to and from the loop. You, you want shielded. Make sure your cable shielded. Ground it. Ground the shield yep. only at one end. Yep. Um, that's going to be the low noise and. Hundred um, percent. All of those style of loops, they have, they always have a little, a little filter cap on their their own supply line on on yeah. the loop board itself. Um, yeah. You won't get any noise from that unless you've got a dirty B plus line, which would suggest that there's much bigger problems in your amp anyway. Oh, hundred um, percent. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, hey, your um, your buddies oh, right. on here. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Jeez. So, RJ's asking, how's it going, Danny boy? Not too bad. Yeah. I'll send you a message later on, you crazy fool. <laughs> yeah. Now RJ is um he's an amp builder as well, isn't he? Yeah, we met quite a few years ago. We we talk a couple times a week on the phone. There's there's a few guys in Canada that I uh that I communicate with and and he's one of them. We've been friends for a really long time. Uh, he does his own thing. He builds kind of like a hot rod tweed amps and stuff like that. And uh, anyway, it. Uh, but yeah, no, he he's uh, he's a pretty smart guy. He 
you know, he knows how to read schematics and he, he understands all the basic uh, theory behind it. And he, he does some pretty nice work. He, he builds a couple amps a year. Is and, he Marshall uh, kind of a but Marshall kind of guy, or like where's his? He, he builds a few of them, but he mostly likes to get into like uh, tweed kind of type circuits and stuff like that. Cool. And he's had a pretty, pretty good little go with it. I mean, you know, he's he's built some amps that have uh, been in uh, some pretty nice studios out in Western Canada, so that's not a bad thing to uh, have on your resume. You know, he, sure. he's a good cat. Yeah, we know one another very very well. <laughs> pretty good. That's um. Yeah. Yeah, does that like almost almost too well kind of thing? Yeah, um, you could put it that way. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's, that's not cool. a bad thing. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Now, um, Alex here, who's my who's my my weekly moderator. Hey, Alex, man, thanks yeah. for helping out here. So, Alex has got for anyone who doesn't know, and I'm sure the people in the group probably know, but I'll say it anyway. Alex is one of the admins on the the DIY group that we have on Facebook which is called the Modern Tube Amp Designer and Evolve DIY. But mouthful. If you're not in that group and you're listening to the stream or you're watching this back on replay, jump in. There's heaps of great chat and that stuff and lots of help from lots of friendly dudes. And there is a, um, a bit of a library of files that Alex is hosting on that in that Facebook group. I won't claim any credit for putting them in there. I'm pretty sure Alex has put them all in there. So, I'd, yeah, actually like, the, um, I'd actually like to reach out to him at some point because the thing is, yeah. is, like, you sent me an invite to the group and, it's, uh, like, I get so busy with so many things. But uh, my friend Al Benoit, who's in uh, – he's in St. John, New Brunswick. You know him very well. And uh, anyway, it uh, he had uh, – he did a bunch of boards and uh, it's um, it's really good. Al, Al loves him. He, he's done quite a bit of – different work for him and some of the mods that al's doing is sounds pretty impressive yeah awesome yeah 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 no he's um he's super talented uh now bruce is asking um i love this question how do you actually measure the bias current what's your method dan What what do you do what's my method i i use a standard uh uh bias right that that's how i do it yeah but uh I, you know, that's what I use. It's a, it's a one ohm resistor. It's uh it's, it's, it's shunted to ground. And then I, I read my, uh, my DC, uh, milliamps off it. That's how I do it. Oh, I'm the same. I, I got a couple of those. I think it's Euro tubes or something, but they're out of the, they're out of the US. I'm sure of it, but yep. they're just, they're the standalone bias probes that you, you know, with the socket that you can, you can yep. interrupt. Yeah. And mm-hmm. it's just nice and safe. Um, it's just nice and safe. Now I know a couple of the kind of more old school, traditional texts will say, "Oh, that's all nonsense. You should just read the voltage drop across the primary of your, of your, of your OT." Yeah, um, you absolutely can do that. You can do that. Right. Yeah. So if anyone doesn't know what that means, it's basically so. If you think about the primary of an output transformer in a push pull design, is center tapped right so you've got the kind of like the two outside anodes and the center tap and each side of that transformer is uh connected to the plates of your power tubes and so with the amplifier off if you measure the resistance of 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 each side of that primary and then with the amp on you measure the voltage drop across 
each side of that primary, then you can use your Ohm's law. You can work out the current. Great. Um, it's super accurate if you've got a decent multimeter, mm-hmm. but it's also super dangerous if you don't know what you're doing. That's what I was just going to say. Yeah. Right? If you make a slip, that's it. Yeah. If you make a slip, man, good night. Because, you know, like anyone, anyone who studied this stuff or contemplating doing it will know, well, you should know, one of the golden rules of working on an ampli- an, a tube amp that's live and running is the yep. old one hand in the pocket thing, you know? Right. right? Yep. If you're going to, me- if you're measuring stuff or poking around, mm-hmm. uh, never, never two hands. Mm-hmm. And as soon as you are measuring the voltage drop across the primary of an output transformer, which has got, when the amp is on, maybe close to 500 volts DC yep. on it. And you're sticking in there with two hands, trying to measure the drop across two points in the amp. Anywhere between two and uh, five amps of current. You better bloody well know what you're doing. That's all yeah. I can say. Right? Um, I wouldn't. I, I don't do it just because I just like I don't yeah. want to tempt fate. And I know I yeah. could rig it all up with like you know you clip clip the meter in there and all that, so you don't need to touch it. But it's yeah. more hassle than it's worth. I is right. my view. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. So probes. Yeah, that's that's the safe, pretty safe way to do it. I know some amps, many amps have a one ohm resistor kind of you know baked in now as a as a matter of course, which which you know yeah. definitely works. Mm-hmm. Um, Captain Sexy ninety saying hello from snowy Norway. Hey man. Jason, what's the coolest old Marshall for a vintage Strat? I'm guessing for a super bass or something similar. Love from the captain. Hey, man. Um, yeah, look, uh, I think you, it sounds like you know what you want, man. Like like a Strat into a super bass can be a, can be a cool thing. Yeah. I mean, I'm a bit like Dave when Dave came on before and he said, you know, we're talking about the 50-watt circuits and which yeah. of those was his favorite. And he said lead spec rather than mm. a JTM 45, and I'm the same. I like that yeah. kind of more, you know, a yeah. bit tighter, a bit more, a bit more, mm. um, maybe a bit more overdrive kind of thing. But yeah. a straight into a super bass can be killer. Yeah. Um, it's, I, I, I find with a strat into a lead amp, it can be hit or miss. And yeah. because of the frequency response of the of the single coil pickups, because they're they're so sharp, it uh, sometimes it can rip your head off with a with a lead amp. One hundred percent. It's too much. A super bass works much better, or a JTM forty five, something where you can kind of dull it down. It's just because the guitar is so dynamic, and it's so bright. Yeah. Yeah. If you got good um, hands, you can control it. Some guys can. I know one guy that can control a uh, old Telecaster into anything. He can make it sound phenomenal. But I mean, he's just got the hands that can do it, right? Makes a big difference, doesn't it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It is time. a thing. I mean, everyone, we, everyone always, always says this, right? But it's it's true. Yeah. It's so true. Yeah. Like you have two different players into the same with using the same equipment. They don't sound the same. And I don't yeah. just mean in terms of their like their licks it's actually there's a tonal difference that's right totally man um toby's asking yeah the maxi maxi matcher yeah so so dan i just have the power tube one i don't have the preamp one do you have the preamp one as well 
Yes, I do. Uh, the preamp one, it will do, uh, it'll do, um, it does gain, it does microphonics, and it also does uh, transconductance of the tube. It's, it's, yeah. it's pretty good. I have really good luck with it. Um, when I repair someone's amp, uh, you know, I, I always, uh, like I'll charge them a standard hour to an hour and a half diagnosis fee. Uh, I look through the whole thing. I give them a detailed list. And then first thing I'll do is while I'm looking at the amp, I'll pull the tubes out. I'll put them on this machine. And then what I'll do is I'll photograph my test results and I'll let them know. And if they're good, like sometimes like with say, um, you know, just like a, like a Fender Bassman or a Marshall Plexi or whatnot, like once you get the numbers off the tubes, then you can start putting them in adequate spots in the amps. And I'll get customers that come back afterwards if you haven't replaced tubes. And then they'll be like, well, what did you do? My amp sounds really good. I said, well, your preamp tubes are good. I said, but I found one that was more quiet to put in your first position. And then I have one that's a little bit more stronger in your phase inverter and whatnot. Um, I swear by that machine myself. I think it's really good. Um I've always been a numbers guy and I, I just, I like to see the hard data right there. Uh, it, it just, it, it tells me right away what's going to happen with what um, I have them both. Uh, the power tube uh, tester is really good. The preamp tube tester is really good. The only limitations I have with the power tube tester, I find if I'm testing anything like a KT88 or 6550, when I test those, uh, how I get the most accurate result out of that is I'll use an old school egg timer. I'll put one tube in the tester and then I let it go five minutes. And then I do my two tests on the, on, on the power tube tester. And you basically get plate current out of it and you get transconductance of the tube. That That's what you get out of the power tube one. But, you know, for, for serious amp repair work, uh, I think they're pretty good tester, pretty good commercial tester. That's my... uh, probably the uh, probably the I mean in yeah. terms of in terms of new you yeah. know new product that you can buy on market today they're probably is there anything else is anyone else doing them at the moment I'm not uh, I'm not sure I mean a lot of people have got kind of old ones right that they've yeah. you know hanging on to and cherish and keep them alive and all the rest of it but um, if you're going to go and buy a new one that's maxi match stuff is is great and yeah. I can I can also say that their follow up support is fantastic right because they yeah. I had one of the 240 volt models shipped out, obviously, in Australia. Yeah. And um, there was a small issue with the PT. Mm -hmm. um, and the guys there worked with me to sort it out quite quick as and ship me out a new one. So it was you know, they're, they're I, great to deal with. I, yeah, I had a problem with mine too. I got in touch with Pete directly and he, uh, he, he gave me all the information that I needed right then and there. It was... Uh, yeah. It yeah. was probably the one of the best uh, one of the best purchases I ever made. Actually, besides you know my oscilloscope and and, and all my other tests. Yeah, they're really cool, man. I do I do yeah. use mine way more. I mean, I knew yeah. I'd use it, but I use it. I probably yeah. use it more than I thought I would. And um, I think that they um, you know Peter and the guys there have got it's quite um, yeah uh, their customer base that they're selling to are mostly techs. So That's right. um, if there is, if there is any kind of issue with the with the device. They can work with you. Get like, the best feedback ever. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and they, and and you can do like I did the, um, you know, the guy sent me some fragments of the schematic and so on to help, so mm -hmm. I could help help diagnose it with them, and they were super super helpful, and it was it was yeah great. Um, yeah. Bruce is saying that um, yeah, no one, including CE, tests yeah. for noise. Yeah, this is, yeah. this is it, man. Yeah. So it's a bit of a crapshoot in that regard. So. I've but, ran into that. I've ran into that with the tubes. I've ran into them where I've had them where they crackle when they first start. 
Have you yeah. run into power tubes like that? Yeah, well, this was the one I was talking about before. Now, what was really – I never worked that one out, Dan, because I did put that – I had this quad and I had and I had this crackle coming. It was kind of like a rumbling, like a thunder sound. Mm-hmm. And I was definitely in the power tubes. And then I just through trial and error, I managed to trace it down because I pulled – it was in a quad. It was 100 water. It was yeah. one of the altars that I just built, actually. Yeah, and by pulling, just running it in fifty watt mode with two tubes out, I managed through trial and error, isolating which one it was that was doing it, and I put a little mm-hmm. X on it, put yeah. it aside. Mm-hmm. Two months later, um, just as a test, I just had a fifty one on the bench that I was working on, and I put these these pair or one of them, which was you know marked with a noisy kind of comment, whatever. Put them in yeah. the amp, ran it, it's fine. <laughs> Like, yeah. I don't know. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Oh, I, I've had the exact same thing happen. Um, I've had a couple of them too where uh, they, um, like, especially, I don't know what switch you use in your Alta, but, like, uh, I'll, I'll use for 100 waters, I'll use the Eaton. I think it's the, uh, it's the, uh, it's the 15 or 20 amp uh, 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 double pole, double throw switch. You probably use a very similar switch in your amp. Anyway, the, the spring tension is so tight on oh, the yeah. switch. Yeah, and especially with a hundred watt chassis, when you you flick it on, I mean, you know, you you hear it through the uh, you hear it through the whole um, through the whole chassis. And I've had somewhere I've had microphonic tubes too, but I mean, you know, it's it's you know, it's a crapshoot sometimes with that stuff. It, it yeah. is, it is, yeah. and um, I can see Brad. Hey man, Brad's here. Oh yeah! Champion. Oh cool! Awesome! Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So Peter yeah. Toms is your man. Yeah, yeah so man, yeah. he's he is just, yeah. just the best. That was the best because I was, you know, when I finally got my test and I was like, oh, yeah. I got this problem with it. Man, it was yeah. the guys were the guys were awesome. Oh um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, but on the modded Marshall topic, Andrew's asking, "Hey guys, I was wondering since we we're talking about modded Marshalls, if you." Had any experience with the elusive Dookie or Dookie mod? Yeah. And had any thoughts to share? Yeah. Now, are you familiar with this mod, Dan? It's um, uh, that's uh, uh, Billy Joe Armstrong, the guitar player from is, Green Day. This is the yeah. one. Yeah. Now, yeah. the guy who originally did that mod was John Sir when he was at uh, CAE. I think that's when he did it. Um, there's a lot of misconstrued information on the internet about it. Uh, basically, uh, it's a it's a it's a 1959 amp, and it's converted to uh, like a cascade of preamp. That's probably the most information that you'll you'll find that's uh, steadfast and true with it. Uh, a lot of guys have different ideas on different values as to what they have for the voltage divider, what they put in for phase inverter coupling caps, uh, filtering in the amp, things like that. It's you know, uh, you go on the internet and you do a search for a 36 or a 34 mod. It's the exact same thing. And you can whip up uh, four different links and they all have different values for, for what you think it is. Yeah, one of those style. It's a bit like the conversation before about the SIR 34 and there's like yep. a lot of the speculation. Now, yeah. I have kind of like, I'm, I'm just, I'm looking down here because I'm just scrolling through my iPad here trying to find... Yeah any information I might have on it. But um, I definitely looked at the circuit before yeah. and kind of went, oh, yeah, you know. Um, 
I don't know. It wasn't something that kind of stuck in my brain. Well, but, it's not a very it's not a very good sounding amp, but I mean that's just my personal opinion on it. But yeah, right. Now, would that be um? Because what John would often do in the mods is a bit like the Eldritch mod that yeah. was the question was earlier. It, it often put an extra gain stage in it as well. So I don't think um, there's an extra gain stage in that amp. No, Jason. It doesn't. I think it's just cascaded. Yeah. Now, whether it's accurate or not, I found it. Now, I have no idea whether this is accurate. It just could be another interpretation of the amp. Yeah. But yeah. on so Nick, you know the Serotone website. Yeah. Nick has oh, yeah. layout the layouts, not schematics, right? Mm. But yeah. he has layouts for all of his all of his amps. They're yeah. actually good references, right? One of the things I did, I did want to talk about is kind of like good references for layouts. And you mentioned George's build documents. You know the the original Metropolis build guides. Yes. Those are, those are excellent. If anyone goes to the Valstorm website as well, there's a link there to a Google Drive share. Um, mm -hmm. that has some really great turret board based layouts for all the Marshalls 2203, 2204s, 997s, yeah. and 1959s. Yeah. Those are fantastic. And then there's Nick's site. Now, if you go onto his, if you go to the Stereotone website and look at the British style, um, British style lamps and just go to the 100 watt super lead, Plexi 100 super lead. There is a layout there for yeah. this mod. Now, I'm, I'm on the same page as you. Yeah. yeah. Right. So it's got a 47K grid stopper on the first stage and right. it's a 270K plate resistor. Both sides. Two, 2K7 and 0.68. Okay, I was looking at cathodes, pardon me. Cathode, yeah. So it's point, 2K7 and 0.68 on the second gain stage as well, right? Yeah. Which is one of the most common mods you'll ever do to a cascaded marshal <laughs> if you want to get more, more gain from it, right? It'll really wake it up in a quick hurry. Yeah, that was yeah. it, right? Um, yeah. So I guess the answer to going back to this question here from Andrew is like this is a – looking at this and let's just pretend that this is, you know, pretty much on the money. Yeah. It's, it's got some differences, but there's a lot of amplifiers that have taken a 2204 or a 2203 style preamp, which is, you know, right. Marshall's, you know, the, the, the first kind of master volume amps. Yeah. And modified that second gain stage by changing that 10 K cold clipper stage into a, a much hotter gain stage, exactly. And all yeah. of a sudden, you got a you got a shitload more gain in the amp without having to actually drill a hole and put another whole preamp tube in, yeah. Exactly. Which is kind of what this amp looks like to me. You know, yeah. it's got some other things, mm. but the other things that are in it are really around voicing, mm. um, voicing yeah. preferences. I've never seen this uh, layout before, but it, from what I've seen before, it's excuse me. It, from what I've seen before, it's it, it's a little different, but I mean, it's close enough for jazz. Let's just put it that way. Yeah, yeah, man. Yeah. Close enough for rock and roll as well. Oh, um, well there you go. That's exactly. Yeah. Right. yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, that's cool, man. Hey, Toby's asking thoughts on the Lynch mod. Now, is that? Do you mean Toby? Do you mean that? Like, is that that? That uh, what do you call it? A hot mod thing? Yeah, I think that's what exactly what he's talking about. 
Yeah, Dave was the one that he uh, he posted a comment earlier. Uh, Dave, Dave Sabatos, and uh, he's the guy. He does uh, he does the Legendary Jones website, and he does the uh, the V two uh, hot mod. Um, it's a it's a it's a it's an extra gain stage for cathode follower Marshall. Uh, you put it in the second stage, and basically what it does is it, it gives you an extra two gain stage in the amp. But yeah, it's. That's basically what it is. He's a great guy too, by the way, and I I sell his products actually in Canada. I've right. done some work with him. Yeah, I restored his old uh, nineteen seventy two Marshall Super Lead. I just finished that one not too long ago. I got a lot of the old vintage parts. He needed mustards and stuff. Oh my! When his amp came to me, it was in a complete state. It's. I looked at it. I think I sent you a couple pictures, and it. Oh, yeah. uh, some of the stuff that he had that, that that the original guy did to it, like I mean, I don't know. I just I was just like okay, but uh, we were lucky because the thing is, is I still had uh, I still have some old parts in stock, and I had a couple of the old Lemco caps and stuff like that. So I completely made the amp exactly what it was in 1972, what he wanted, and I got a completely rebuilt form. I, I had to recap it and stuff like that, and uh, it, it came out really fantastic. Yeah, the Lynch yeah, mod's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, I'm assuming with that mod, right? And I mean, yeah. you know, didn't didn't Soldano have this kind of thing back in the day as yeah. well? Like, yeah, he took it. it. Yeah, yeah, he took it. What happened was Dave took it, and then I think he got Andy from uh, THD, Andy Marshall. He helped him out with the uh, with the schematics and stuff and figuring it out, and the two of them tweaked it. And then they, uh, it's it's just basically an extra tube gain stage before the tone stack. Yeah. So just before, so so one of the things, right? So if you're, it would go in, let's say in a two two o three master volume Marshall. It's going to go in V two. Yeah. Now, what you're you're pulling you're pulling V two out, which has two triodes, right? So a gain right. stage and a, and a cathode follower, but you're right. replacing it with two twelve AX sevens, which is four triodes. That's right. I'm assuming that it's only using one extra triode, so your normal three-stage plus cathode follower design is now four-stage. It's not five-stage plus cathode yeah. follower, right? Yeah. They must right. be using one. There must be an unused triode in the Probably in the so. I've never uh, bothered to take a look at it or whatnot, but I imagine that's that's probably... It sounds it like it. it. To me, it sounds like one extra gain stage. It doesn't sound like... Because if you go... You know, if you do a five-stage plus cathode follower design, I mean that's just yeah, it's it's, that's out of control, nuts, right? It's going to be just yeah. just yeah. going to be ridiculous. Yeah, that leads me to a question for you, actually. Um, in this whole thing with modding, um, yeah, what are your thoughts on a tube gain stage, pre-tone stack, and then post-tone stack? Um, it would be fair to assume that Lee Jackson would have probably been the, one of the number one guys that would have done a post-tone stack gain stage. Yeah, I'm not a fan of it. No. Um, I think that um, it's a bit like – it's probably mm. the same reason why I'm not a huge fan of the, the Mark series stuff. I don't get a lot of hate for this, but um, uh, I think that – I don't know, man, my – my feeling on this stuff in terms of my preference anyway is yeah. I want the tone stack to be at the end mm -hmm. because I think that there's something for me, there's something very, it's not magic, but it's familiar. Like when I'm, when I'm thinking about, <clears throat> you know, modding or mm. a, a design that I'm kind of like 
tinkering with or whatever that I'm, you know, yep. maybe might make it into a production amp one day. And the, yep. you know, the, the, the Ulta was very much like this. I'm mm. Marshall, man. I'm like, I'm fucking Marshall stuff. <laughs> like it's mm. just, and there's a, I don't know. I often, I often think to myself, why is it that I, and I don't want to copy Marshall, but I want it to have Marshall yep. DNA. And I, and I mm. like, what is it about it that, why do I like that? Mm. And I always conclude by thinking to myself, well, that's because that's what I listened to my whole life. Yeah. Yeah. Or no, like I, you, mean, you mentioned yeah. Ace Freely at the beginning and all that, right? Yeah. And, and I've got, you know, my own list of people, including Ace Freely, mm. you know, I, my brother, my oldest brother's five years older than me. And he was bringing in, you know, when I was kind of 10, 11 years old, he was 15, 16, and he was starting mm. to bring into the house all this vinyl Mm. Which was, you know, opened the door to just this whole world of of you know yeah. guitar driven, you know, mm. rock and metal kind of music of that of that era. You know, this is kind of like, you know, I was, uh, you know, when I was ten, it was nineteen eighty. So you mm. can kind of immediately think of what was happening. Like, this is late seventies and into yeah. the early eighties stuff, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, I'll never forget him dropping the needle. He bought he bought back and black and on vinyl. Mm. Oh, yeah. 1981 it had just been released and he dropped the needle on the on it right oh yeah <laughs> i remember i remember when it came out the, 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 i remember as a oh, very, i can remember very, it like it was yesterday man yeah i yeah. know no it's crazy it, it's funny that you mentioned that because the thing is is i i have a first cousin when i was a kid i grew up in the country i actually grew up on a on a on a, on a farm we had uh Clydesdale horses and sheep and you know cows and everything it was the full 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 meal deal I, I worked from age five onwards and it was pretty remote and my cousin would come from the city they, they'd all come down and I thought it was the greatest thing since sliced bread because you know you know new music new things you, you get to hear all this new stuff you know because we were pretty pretty recluse where we were at and my cousin would come down and I remember some of the, some of the exciting bands that he would listen to, like Iron Maiden, and uh, he was constantly going to the record shop every week and getting a new tape. And I remember between the years of like 1981 to 1984, it's just this whole wave of of these new bands that I heard, and I was just like, oh my god, and, you know, it's some of it I still listen to to this day. I mean, you know, it's. Uh, you know, but some 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 of the groups that he he really uh, he really turned me on to, like I mean, you know, some of them are just absolutely fantastic. You know, I remember he had the very first Ingve Malmsteen Rising Force record, and I had like, that. Yeah, like him or hate him, I mean, you know, the guy has done something to the. He has changed the face of rock and roll for that style. You know, I only needed like that was the Malmsteen thing. That was my, my Malmsteen moment was buying that piece of vinyl. And I never, I never listened to or bought another record of his after that. I just needed that one bit. Yeah. But to me, that album is a masterpiece, front mm -hmm. to back. Incredible. 5%, yeah. yeah. All these bands yeah. that my cousin would, would introduce me to, and I remember Maiden, and then I remember looking at the records and opening up the records back then, and you had the big... Uh, you had the leaflets on the inside and then they always said on them it was so cool back in those days you know like iron maiden exclusively used uh martial yeah. amplification you yeah. know what i mean and it all yeah, yeah. yeah it's so funny because when i when i think back it's one of those things i wish i knew <laughs> it's yeah. a stupid what's not a stupid saying but it's a common saying if only i knew yeah. if only i knew 
what I know now back then. And yeah. I remember as a guitar player in my 20s, yeah. you know, yeah. stupidly getting into, well, not stupidly, but I got onto rack gear and all that bullshit, right? Like ADAs and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And um, when I think back now, I'm like, man, fuck all I needed was like, like a decent Marshall, a couple of yeah. Marshalls, right? And, a, and, and yeah. you know, yes. an overdrive pedal out front. Like, and, this way, if I had my time again, that's what I would play. Yes. And the funniest thing is, is everything old is new. So, I mean, you know, it's, you went through this whole situation in the 80s where guys took their, you know, like uh, 50s and 60s strats and whatnot and routed them out and put Floyd yeah. Roses and yeah. stuff like that and, you know, cut holes in the in the pickups and, and put humbucker pickups in them and stuff like that. I, I see it quite a bit because, you know, I started getting into guitar probably in the, the mid to late 80s. And it, uh, I have a, a couple friends of mine around the area. A friend of mine, he has a really nice vintage guitar collection. And uh, my buddy Jim that I was talking about earlier, like he couldn't understand why someone would take a, you know, a 1963 Strat and do this kind of work to it. Or they'd take an old Marshall and then, then modify it to make this sound. But I mean, it was very simple because the thing is, is back then, you know, uh, the, the sound was the ADA preamp. That's what it was. People were yeah. going for yeah. more more distortion they wanted more saturation that was the main, you know like at the time was, that was yeah. you know if you're listening to you know and that, and at that moment i guess you know i'm thinking like you know yeah. what it must have been 91 92 somewhere around there yeah. you know you got guys like nuno and paul gilbert and so on had exploded onto the scene and they're all using this the stuff 100%. yes you know? 100%. so it, you know in my defense yeah. I'll, I'll blame them <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, but I mean, it is a very pertinent. Uh, it's, it's a very pertinent way of guitar playing. It's, it's a very pertinent tone too. But I mean, you know, it's like as we kind of as you you evolve and you go through it, you start to go back to these original sounds. I mean, you know, like um, for instance, like look at Van Halen one, Van Halen two, and Van Halen three. Like, look at how huge that guitar sound is. Like, I mean, you know, the best. Yeah. You know, what do you yeah. remember when you heard Eruption? Like, oh I just, man! And I, you know what? And my first um, yeah. one of the other memories of my, you know, being very young yeah. was, uh, and I grew up in New Zealand, which mm. some people know, not not Australia. I grew up in New Zealand, which is about yeah. you know four hour flight from here, yeah. and it's a small country, right? New Zealand had less than three million people in it at that point, yeah. and we only had two TV stations when I was young. <laughs> yeah, me too. No cable, none of that rubbish. And anyway, one there was this music show called Radio with Pictures that was on once a week, and it was on Sunday nights. You've got to mm-hmm. stay up late to watch it. And yep. one particular um, Sunday, and this was about 1981, somewhere around there, they had a heavy metal special. Yeah. And I taped it on VHS tape, stayed up and watched it. And it was mm-hmm. just the best. It was like Christmas. Every Christmas came all at once. And there was like all kinds of stuff on the special. It was probably ran for an hour, an hour and a half, something like that. And it was just video clips, you know, and there was like ACDC playing, you know, what do you do for money, honey? And like all the official videos, this wasn't live. This was all Mm. like just video releases and stuff back in the day. And anyway, they played played Van Halen, um, You Really Got Me. And if anyone knows that official video clip, which is, you know, you can go and find it on YouTube, right? They play... Um, half of eruption. Oh wow! Not the whole thing, just the mm. first half. 
yeah. before all the tapping piece. Mm-hmm. And then so they, because they kind of like cut the video down, right, to be like a, you know, I guess consumable for, you know, for circulation rather than the whole eruption. But they wanted to have the intro. So they, yeah, yeah they just had the first part of it before that little break. And then he comes in with the second piece. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for, for a long time before we actually got that vinyl into the home, you know, when my brother finally bought it, <laughs> um, yeah. that's all I'd heard was just that part of it, not the mm-hmm. whole thing. Yeah. Um, but but and to this day, it's still my favourite part. Like the tapping stuff is cool, super yeah. cool. But I actually like the first half of that thing more mm-hmm. than I like the second half. I always yeah. have, probably because mm-hmm. of that story. But yeah. yeah, we went down all kind of rabbit holes there, man. But yeah, like the the modding thing for yeah. me, you know, and probably what got me into this whole caper in the first place was um, a fascination with. And, a, and a, just an absolute desire to learn about how to create those sounds yeah. that were so, so are still so familiar to me, you know, and it's all martial based, right? So when I, uh, an approach to modding is always based around, mm. you know, what you're doing. So like, I will always do stuff in the preamp. I'll mm. never put on, I've never put a gain stage in, after the EQ and before the phase inverter, never. Um, But I'll also piss around with negative feedback. Mm -hmm. So it's not just a preamp thing. I'll look at kind of like what's going on in terms of the power amp, the negative feedback side. Um, I think voltages are really important as well. Oh, yeah. That's huge. Yeah, Yeah, it's monumental. You change yeah. the, the the tone and the feel of the amp dramatically by, the by feel like nobody's business. Yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah. So Alex is also suggesting here just some. If anyone doesn't know, right, the Martin Blanco yeah, yeah. books yeah. as resources are awesome. The valve um, wizard. Yeah. The Valve Wizard, yeah. So valvewizard.co.uk is the site. I'm sure everyone probably knows this, right? But the books, buy his books, man. Support the guy. He's he's put out an amazing amount of information for free on his mm-hmm. website. But the books are a whole other level. Like there's a yeah. lot of stuff in those books that are not on the website. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely do it. Even I think Bruce was on last week and Bruce was saying when he's has mm-hmm. quiet time in the bathroom, he's reading these books. <laughs> I thought was, I thought was yeah. awesome. Um, yeah. Bruce is the Bruce is the Obi Wan Kenobi of the uh, amp modding world. Yes. That's, that's what he is. I tried to tell him this a couple of years ago on the phone when I called him because the thing is, is I desperately wanted to go down and do one of his advanced theory courses. I still would love yeah. to go. I just Me want too. to meet the guy and I just want to talk. That's all that I want to do. I just want to. I don't know how long it will last. I just want to talk. But Bruce is the real Obi Wan Kenobi of this whole thing. He's the I guy that, it, yeah, he's the guy that get that 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 got Dave Friedman going with this stuff, you know. And it's uh, I've uh, I've built a, 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 a network of uh, techs that I know that repair amps, build amps. It, it doesn't matter. It's it's whatever. And uh, and you know, uh, one of my friends that's in Detroit, uh, he really. Um, uh, he he helped Bruce helped Tom out quite a bit, and some of the information that uh, Tom gained from from Bruce is just it's endless. He's a very very generous man, and he's very 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 smart. You know, 
I'd, it's I'd interesting, love to, man. Yeah. Yeah. I'd love to do I, one I just, of the theory courses. It'd be fun. Yeah, that was the thing that um you know Dave was joking about, but I think he was half serious or probably mostly serious was that um yeah. is that the next time I uh when I visit the States again, which I want to do the same time in twenty four yeah. that I did in twenty three, which was in kind of late May, early June, that yeah. we would do a um I'd fly into LA and we'll do a we'll do a trip out to see Bruce and oh, yeah. and hang out. Yeah. Maybe you try and time it for one of your classes, Bruce, and we'll hang out in the back of the classroom and be annoying. Yeah. That'd be fun. Yeah. <laughs> the guy is great. Yeah. He's been in a multitude of forms that I've been on online and like anything that he says, it's very pertinent information and it's uh it's usually very short, but the thing is is it's 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 always 125% on point. Yeah, totally. Um, now, Totes Danny, a couple of this is back to the the, the Dookie mod. Um, okay, he's got one. Okay, and it's the official one from LA Sound Design. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's real and one. you've got the SE. Yeah, the SE lead mod, oh, brutal truth. Wow. I don't love the sound of it. You got to run them together. Now, the SE mod. This is obviously yeah. John's John's stuff. Yeah. I played with that circuit a bit. I built a 50 watt version of it um, during my kind of early, particularly quite early in my learning curve, I guess. I was really fascinated yes. with that sound and I've always loved Doug's yeah. playing. Yeah. Um, I found the amp very bass heavy in the preamp, actually. Oh, really? And I ended up, yeah. And yeah. the coupling caps, so my memory of this is that the, the couplers are quite large, like. And it was probably through that experimentation that I discovered that I really like a pretty lean, yeah, you know, pretty lean bass early in the preamp. Yeah, trim it's it a down. style thing. Some people, yep. some people yep. you know, don't like that, right? And they want that, they really want that thickness coming through. Mm. I find it can get a bit, bit bloated, right? So I'm pretty sure I ended up changing that amp and put a, probably mm. put a 0.0022 coupler in the, after the first stage because I think it had. It wasn't even a twenty-two nanofarad. It was even might have even been larger than that. I can't quite remember. Yeah, yeah. it. Uh, there was a guy that I did some work for, a local Canadian guy. He played in a well. He plays in in the in the rock band Sum Forty One, and um, oh yeah, he's, actually, he's sponsored by Marshall. And anyway, I sent you pictures of the amp. So yeah, it, yeah, yeah. I remember that. It was pretty limited with what I could do. Cause I mean, with those 1987 X's, I mean, you really don't have a lot of room to work in those things, right? No, they're pretty compact, aren't they? They're very tight. But what happened was, is uh, like, he called me on the phone, you know, it's, uh, I, I have a habit of liking to talk to people. So anyways, it, um, so we, <laughs> we got, we got chit chatting about this, that, and the other thing. And uh, the Derek, the, 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 the guitar player and the singer in the band, he actually has the uh, he has an SE uh, uh, modded Super Bass 100. Um, but answer me one thing: uh, Does that amp come with like a depth control on it? Does he have some kind of yeah? Control? Yep. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And it's got now I'm going from memory here, but I, that was another area of the amp that I ended up changing. Yeah. Um, I'm pretty sure that the depth cap in that amp is a 10, 10 nanofarad. Jesus, that's huge. Uh, exactly. It's really oh. basic. I was oh. like, wow, Hello. this thing is, oh. this really thing is, bad. it's huge. Oh. Yes. 
<laughs> loose, Bo loose bottom, loose bottom. Oh yeah, <laughs> holy moly! Yeah, that's yeah, big. man. Yeah, this big, right? Because yeah. you're like, you know, I guess guys or anyone who's kind of like, you know, kind of kind of orientated is kind of what that means. Like most of the, and you've seen me, people have seen me do this on the channel heaps of times, right? Yeah. And you know, yeah. it's, it's certainly not something I invented by any stretch. Yeah. Depth mods have been done on amps for bloody years, but it's very common to kind of see, you know, 2.2 nanofarads, 4.7 on a depth cap, very, very common. Yeah. Sometimes pushed to 6.8 if you really want the chug chug. Yeah. And so 10 is like yeah. Oh, yeah. pretty, yeah, is big. And like that's that so coupled with the pretty bass heavy preamp, I just found it. Yeah. yeah. That's, not that's like not not for me. It's a pair you know, of the, Yeah, I mean for <laughs> for the right player or whatever, right? The right setup and and so on. It's probably perfect. And it would obviously, you know, people say, "Well, it depends what speakers you're using and yeah. guitar and all that as well." But yeah, not for me. Um, Brad's got a comment here or a question actually. You got a 1974X, so that's the reissue. Yeah. Eighteen watt. Eighteen watt. Yeah. Handwired Marshall, yeah, the combo. To ultra linear with a Someone choke. Someone modded to ultra linear and with a choke. No, I haven't. I mean, I've certainly seen Brad a whole bunch of stuff where you, people have put chokes into amps that didn't have them, but mm. I've never seen a guitar amp wired to ultra. What does it sound like? Let us know in the chat, man. Love to know what yeah. you what it sounds like. Are you close right. to him, Jason? Are you close uh, to Brad? Not really. Like, Brad's in Brad's in Sydney. Oh, okay. which is. You know, yeah. it's an hour and a half flying away. Yeah. It's yeah. only it's only a one hour flight, but it's a one one and a half hour flight time because there's always pissing around at landing and all the rest of it. But and so if you're driving, it's you know, gee, it's a full day, it's an eight hour drive or whatever. But oh, Brad wow. came down. Brad was down in Melbourne. When were you down here, mate? A month ago, maybe. Mm. Uh, with a couple of his couple of his buddies for uh, they came down to see a band play. So he's, I got a very to meet, good he's a very good guy. He's a very good Yeah, yeah, he's awesome. A bit of, bit of fun. Alex was there as well, so we had, okay. yeah, um, nice. yeah. That's all awesome. the all the all the Aussie amp dudes. Um, mm -hmm. Question here from Sarut it says, "Hello guys, I have a question to Jason. Can you mod the Origin to Shay spec? Thank you. Yeah, pretty much, man. Like if you look at the, um, uh, if you look. So there's three Origin mods that I've released on my channel and pretty much open source them. You know, I've mm. certainly gone to the extent of doing videos that show you what all the bits and pieces are and how to do it. Mm. Um, the first one was a 800 style, like a 2204 style mod for that amp. The second one I did was, uh, I think I just called it the metal mod, which is mm. a... Um, Pre-tone stack master diode clipping Jose, mm -hmm. like the, you know, kind of the Cameron style Jose mod, or I always say for people who don't understand what, what the hell I'm talking about when I say pre-tone stack or post-tone stack Jose, I always tell them to go and watch the um, the Pete Thorne video on the Steve Vi Jose nice. modded Marshall. Dave's in that video and we'll takes you through. Yeah, yeah, Dave's sitting there at his bench with the amp flipped open with Pete and they talk about the amp, and Dave describes the push-pull master mm -hmm. in the in those 3-in-1 mods or whatever, that you 
would change where the master volume is in the circuit to pre-EQ, post-EQ, and they talk about what it does in terms of the tonal impact. Yeah. And um, so a pre-tone stack master with diodes has a really particular sound to it. Um, mm -hmm. And it's that very kind of like, it can be tuned to be a very kind of classic 80s, you know, hair metal kind of vibe through to really aggressive modern metal kind of thing, you know. So yeah. um, bands, you know, bands like Meshuggah and others that use the Fortin amps and so on, they're all kind of, it's all, it's, all that stuff's based on those circuits. Yeah. Um, so that metal, the metal mod that I did for the Origin uh, will go a reasonable way to shave spec. Um, but, man, if you... Um, if you want me to do that mod because you're in Australia, um, then just reach out to me. I'm sure I'll be able to work something out with Shay. He's he's probably listening. Hey, man! <laughs> Don't worry, man. I'll never give you a mod away without you <laughs> without you knowing about it. Um. Uh, oh, here we go. This is a comment about the um. Uh, yeah, he's the yeah, we're saying so. Okay, so it's one twelve AX seven and one eighty seven. Okay, yeah. so perhaps it is using all of the triodes. No, mm. I don't know. I always want to know never, that. Never taken one apart. No. Yeah. Um, here we go. It's amazing what all these dudes in this chat here know so much stuff. So Kurt's saying the Soldano one was a triple. I think you've been triode using an old, yeah, or organ old tube. organ tube for preamp. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was an unobtainable tube that he, he he originally used in the original design. I think they took it and then they 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 revamped it. it uh, I'm not too sure. Yeah. Yeah. Now, um, Toby's got transcriptions to Rising Force. Very complicated. Oh. Now, I'm going to give a shout out to Simon Hosford here, who mm -hmm. I know. Simon, I saw you comment right at the beginning, man. So I want to give you a shout out and say hi. Simon, uh, if anyone doesn't know who Simon is, check out his YouTube channel. But he's also been on my YouTube channel a bunch playing um, with this amp. Uh, yeah. That one, that actual amp, that's my alpha right up there. And yeah. Simon is an incredible guitar player. Mm. Probably the best that I've had the privilege of sitting down in front of and watching someone play. Um, yeah. And... Uh, He's got a video on his channel of him playing the whole VH1 um, front to back, wow. um, which has got a couple of hundred, I think approaching 300,000 views on that video now, if not more, where he played it at the Melbourne Guitar Show. So yeah. um, nothing more intimidating than standing up in front of a room of hundreds of guitar players <laughs> playing Van Halen, but Simon does it. But last yeah. year he did... He did um, uh, he did not the Rising Force album, not the first album, but Trinity, I think, and played it front to back, note for note, perfect. So, yeah, wow. Um, there's some footage of that on his channel. So if you want to check out someone playing Melmstein the way it's meant to be played, go and check out Simon's channel. And I hope you're recovering, Simon. I know you, I knew you've been sick, man. So I hope you, I hope you're starting to feel better, man. Hmm. Um. Yeah, radio with pictures, man. So I know you're you're in New Zealand, don't you, dude? Um, Karen Hay, that was her. She was the host for radio. That was the show I was talking about that had the mm. had the heavy metal special. 
And yes, yeah. I do remember Billy T. James. Billy T. James was a comedian, of course, man. I remember all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Bruce Merlin has the best, best bathroom books. books. <laughs> um, Mike has done the advanced theory course. Yeah, that's okay. cool. Yeah, I'm pleased to hear that. And um, there you go, Bruce is flattered. For the Obi Wan Kenobi comment, I think. Um, What's well, the truth? Oh yeah, it is. The man is a living legend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, a lot of love for you for you here, Bruce, and it's well deserved, mate. Yeah. Um. Uh, Brad says you're a saint, okay. and um, a man. I would love to come and visit you in 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 Michigan. I think you're in Michigan, are you? I don't know. Oh, I know. When I was in the US last time, Bruce, I probably told you this, right? I stayed with my buddy Shay and business partner, and he's in Indiana. And I think, what are you, maybe a four-hour drive, maybe five-hour drive from there. So it's definitely doable. Um, I should definitely do it. So Bruce is chiming in on this. I've just got some real-time comments here about your 1974X. Sounds okay-ish, but has other unrelated issues. Yeah. Um, yeah, Bruce is saying ultralinear would require a different output transformer. I never yeah. played with ultralinear because it's more of a hi-fi thing. Yeah, that's right. I th- I think I think uh, Brad said though that it did have an ultralinear output transformer. Right. Yeah, I thought he I said that. that. I thought he said that it had a choke in it too, but I don't know. Those small amps, there's really not so much you can do with them. That's the thing. It. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah, that is interesting. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Gosh, the last ultralinear amp I worked on, I, well, I had two of them. I had a, I had, I had a Sun Model T. Oh, my goodness. That was a pain in the backside. Holy camoly. I got it, okay. though. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Steve. man, one of the other things I wanted to, I know we're at the two hour mark. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and if if maybe we just push on for a little bit, a little bit, if that's cool, um, not 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 too much longer. But I wanted to ask you about grounding. Yeah. So one of the other, I think, is it just like a, if we're going to talking about building Marshall circuits. I mean, but this applies to any any tube amp really, right? I yeah. think learning about grounding and the kind of techniques that work. You know, and mm-hmm. when I say work, I mean you've got an amplifier that doesn't have a horrible hum. Yes. In it. Yeah. Um, do you do you, and there's different flavors of this, right? You know, there's there's people that will tie all the grounds and the amplifier all together on a on on a you know for a, a bus or whatever, and maybe ground it at the preamp, maybe ground it at the mains only, or do a Lowry style grounding method where there's lots of different grounds and all that. Do you have yeah. a? And I've I've devised my own method that. Again, I'll never say that I invented it, but I just know it works, and so I use it. Yeah. Yep. What's your What's your You know, have you kind of arrived at a particular method that you would recommend, and you think it's pretty much fail safe? Yeah, I think so. Um, if you look at a like a typical Marshall grounding scheme, everything goes to the uh, to the to the grounding bar on on the front of the pots. And yeah, it can be a good thing. It can be a bad thing. I'm sure you've run into yeah. old amps where you've had uh, a lot of hum and yes. stuff like that. Yes, yeah. 
and then you've yep. undid all the nuts and you've taken those black oxide washers off because they they do not give you a perfect connection and then you've changed them to a zinc one or whatnot or used an sos with wd-40 on it and you clean the panel um how I like to do them, uh, I found the best way that works for me. I like to take the uh, the very first cathode stage and my input jacks, and I like to run them to their very own separate in, uh, ground. That's, okay, that's that's the first thing I like to do. Yeah, right. So you will yeah. do that, like if a a nineteen eighty seven X has come in, or a, yeah. even yeah. an older separate. ramp, maybe something a JCM eight hundred out of the eighties. You would do this. Yeah. Yeah, if they don't mind, that's how I do it. And then what I do is in my second uh, grounding, uh, in my second grounding uh, uh, spot, I'll ground the preamp filter, and I'll also ground my second stage for the cathode there. And I, I have that one spot that I have my grounding for that. And then I leave on the uh, on the on the main front panel if it's a, if it's like an older JCM eight hundred. That's it's a PCB amp, but it's it's more hand wired than it is. You know what I'm trying to say? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do. I'll, I'll run all the potentiometer grounds on that one spot. Um, sometimes what I'll do is I'll separate the uh, presence ground and I'll run that to where I have the, uh, the cathode or the, uh, the ground hookup for the for the, the return for the negative feedback on the output jacks where they where they ground there for your yep. I'll, I'll ground them there. That's one spot and it's just a couple things and sometimes I'll move the bias as well too and that that helps yeah. quite a bit with, uh, with noise. You know. Yeah, yeah, interesting. Now I've because I've um, uh, this whole thing. So one of the things that I discovered with PCB design, right? Because that was one of the yeah. in my own journey. One of the things that I kind of obviously I obviously got into it big time, yeah. Yeah. Um, and just it just became a rabbit hole that I went down went down massively. And of course, one of the things you you learn pretty quickly as anyone who's done this is that, um. Once you've got your PCB fabricated, mm -hmm. the first version of whatever it is that you've done, and you mm -hmm. build that, and you build that amp, mm -hmm. and if there's a, if there's a problem, yeah, not easy, not easy to, it's not easy no. to rewire it, right? Because a PCB oh. is pretty set. Now you can get in there, of course, and you know, with your with your you know with your your box cutter or whatever, and cut tracks and rewire. Yeah. yeah, like, yeah, to cut a trace or whatever, right? And then you kind of like, you arrive at, okay, okay, this is how I need to do it. And then you create, then version two of the PCB is born. Right. Now, yeah. And I mention all of that because the grounding scheme yeah. was one of the things that I worked really a lot on mm -hmm. um, because I just wanted it to be as perfect as I possibly could. And, and, and what I found is that, um, Depending on the overall design of the amp, different ground, different ground schemes would work, and others wouldn't. And mm -hmm. um, so I, you know, I kind of have settled on, and I'm I'm happy to talk about it because it's kind of become pretty much foolproof for me now. But yeah. I will say that when I was designing the um, working on the Alta mm -hmm. 100, which was you know, it really took me about a year of elapsed time. With multiple revisions of that before I was happy that it was like, okay, now this is this is ready. I I had some grounding issues in that amp in the mm -hmm. early, very early iterations of it. Mm -hmm. And what was really perplexing to me about it was that the and I would get a hundred hertz hum, which is a classic kind of, you know, grounding kind of related problem. Right. But it would only happen on one channel. 
right? So it's a three-channel lamp. In channel one and channel and channel three, there was this 100 hertz wouldn't manifest, but in channel two, it would. And um, I eventually traced this thing down to a grounding scheme issue, um, which was, you know, you can imagine that kind of thing can take some time to get to the bottom of. Huge. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because I chased my tail on a couple of different things, and I and I tried a few other schemes that worked perfectly, but I wasn't happy with those grounding schemes. And those grounding schemes that I that got rid of that problem, but had other problems, was where you you would tie you would tie the entire ground for the amp at one point, yeah. and you'll see this recommended in a lot of. Um, you know, I think even in Merlin's book, he talks about this as, as viable grounding schemes where you could take it's everything from, yep. yeah, you could take everything from the rectifier ground, the mains all the way mm -hmm. through to the ground for the cathode on the first triode and then ground it at one point at the input jack. And right. the inverse of that is doing the exact same thing, but grounding it at the mains in one single point. Now, mm -hmm. they, they both worked and and me trying to solve this problem that I had, but introduce other issues, right? And, and particularly I found in, the, in a high gain amp, you know, when you kind mm -hmm. of get into the higher gain modes of channel two and channel three in this amp, yeah. that, you know, you'd get, if you're grounding the whole thing at the preamp end, you get noise, you get noise from the rectification, I think, that actually flows through that ground. You get kind of like the ground becomes dirty mm -hmm. and, you can hear it. I could hear this this hundred hertz kind of annoying noise floor in the amp that when I grounded it that way, and it got rid of the bad mains kind of related hum, but introduced other problems. So, anyway, the method that I've, I've kind of arrived on that has been working really great is is um, I'm really only grounding the amp in three points now. Mm -hmm. So I ground I ground the power tube cathodes at their own position right all right which is just like you know marshall did that that's no yeah. nothing new right it's in 100 amps right i ground i've got a ground for the the mains so mm -hmm. I rectified um the mains filter caps i tie to that ground yeah the screens and the bias supply i tie to that ground okay okay yeah phase inverter node mm-hmm and everything else in the preamp then goes to the grounds, then go to the a ground at the preamp, uh, at oh. the input jack. Yeah. And it it's just working for me, right? And I've, I've used that and, and not just in, that's the grounding scheme in that amp, but I've used it in a bunch of other things that I've done since then in 50 and 100 yeah. watt. And it's it's awesome. Like I can yeah. really like, that's, that's my method now. And I'm just going yeah. <laughs> to yeah. stick to nope. it. Yeah, no, I understand 125%. It, uh, once you start fixing some of these older amps, whether they be high gain or just standard gain, you know, you go tracing down a, a ground, ground, ground noise. It, it can be brutal sometimes to find, you know. And then Yeah, again, it's, 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 I mean, I think it's, a, it's one of those things that's why kind of like, you know, the preamble to this question or this topic was kind of like, I think designers have arrived at schemes that they that work for them, and mm. it's not necessarily all the same grounding scheme, right? Everyone's using slightly yeah. different ones to some degree, yeah. but yeah. it's a it's a method, or a, you arrive at a formula that you know works. And here's Bruce saying, 
yeah, separate the high current power grounds yeah. from the low level signal grounds. This is it, Bruce. This is what I found. Yeah. Um, and I tested all this stuff on my bench, you know, yeah. and of course I'd read all this stuff and, and, you know, read, read all this, all these commentary on doing exactly what you said there, Bruce, but I had yeah. to discover it for myself and try it. Yeah. Um, but it's definitely, it definitely works. Mm-hmm. Um, no. Now, man, the, the, one of the other, probably the last thing I'm giving mm-hmm. it, we're at the two hour 15 mark. Um, yeah. I know it's like, I know it was a 9 PM start for you, right? Already. So we must be past 11 o'clock now. We're 11, 18. It's not too bad. It's <laughs> late, man. 11 by 11 by this time. I'm like, <laughs> um, 11 yeah. o'clock. I'm, I'm done. Um, yeah. Yeah. uh, I wanted to talk to you about. Mm-hmm. I want to talk to you about construction method with with respect to turret boards and PCBs because mm-hmm. yeah. I know you've used a yeah. bit of both now. I know that your a lot of your stuff is 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 the traditional turret board approach approach, yeah. right? Which is really yeah. kind of true to the vintage vibe, yeah. right? And I, and, I, and I totally get it. But I've also seen you using yeah. some PCB stuff where you've had some PCBs fabricated for you, yeah. right? I'm getting ready and, to flip over to PCB. Oh, you are. So talk about that, man. I'm really, because I'm, I've obviously gone through that journey myself and I'm really fascinated as to kind of what led you to that and what do you see as pros and cons? I like hand wire. Um, one of the biggest problems I have with hand wire, though, uh, it's the, the amount of ma- manufacturing time it takes to build it. I yes. Mean, it, it, it's great. Like right now I'm building a, a different design amp. Like, I mean, it's very similar to what you'd build too. I mean, it, it has an extra gain stage in the front of the preamp. I have a bunch of different values and ideas for what I want to do. I want to build it on a turret board because I want to be able to hot swap parts and I want to be able to figure out what's going to work for that amp. But then once that amp is, is sorted and it's figured out, I'm going to put it on a PCB board. Um, the price of parts are a real uh, concern. You know, it's uh, axial parts are getting harder and harder to find. You know, That's a good point. Yeah, there's limited suppliers that sell them. Uh, everything's flipping over to radial. Um, yep. Some of the radial parts that you look at, like say for instance, like with the uh, with the WEMA capacitors, they sound great. You know what I mean? Yeah, they're, they they're, do. They're and they're really kind of like they're not expensive either, right? You're like no, no, they're they're fantastic. And uh, you know, and it's uh, resistors are getting harder and harder to find. I mean, you know, certain values and. And certain things we've had this conversation um you know you got to buy just, them and you got to buy them in 1000 lots now yeah bags of 1000 yeah that's right you know i mean i'm i'm sure there's other companies that sell them in smaller amounts for an increased price but i mean which works great for guys that you know do modding and, and diy stuff there's nothing wrong with it but um but you know it, it's getting harder and harder to find the parts and the thing is is if you do have a good pcb board and you have your design uh, laid out to whatever revision you wanted at. Um, yeah. You have a nice two-sided board. Um, yep. You can go in and you can you can substitute a value. You can change a negative feedback resistor on the fly. You can change plate resistors. You can do whatever you want with the exception of if you use radial caps, they're obviously, you're not going to be able to change that without taking the board out. But the thing is, is I mean, it, uh, you know, it's, everything will eventually end up going to pcb and it's um if it's laid out and it's done properly with a two-sided pcb board then i don't see very much difference at all you know that's just that's my yeah. guess 
that's I, I, I agree, man. And I would argue that, yeah. like, uh, and I've you know, just everyone's heard me say this before, but it's it's if it's if the PCB is done well and you can definitely get there, you might need a few revisions, right, to get it like, you know, near perfect yeah. if you like. It's better. Yeah, I would say this to anybody. Like, it's better. And I've done um, one of one of one of the experiences I had. I was actually t- talking. Well, Shay was talking to me about this. So Shay at Monomyth, who's you know my yeah. business partner and and buddy, and he, um, you know, Shay's still doing quite a lot of modding as 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 I yeah. am as well. And yeah. he, we both were commenting on how uh, we'd worked on 1959 hand wires. You know, the Marshall hand wired, yeah, which is a turret board based amp. Mm-hmm. And putting kind of high gain mods into that into that yep. amplifier, yes, and winding up with something that you know sounds good but has a high noise floor, higher mm-hmm. than what we like, you know, higher than it should have. Yep. And you know, for the average kind of punter or whatever, they probably think it's fine, mm-hmm. but I'm really fussy on that stuff now. And I just yep. thought, you know, I've done a few of those, and they both they've come out like they sound good, but it's like. There's a higher level of noise floor. So, what as an experiment, mm-hmm. Shay um, has a an S, a Marshall ST1 style board. I mean, I've got one. I sell one in the Evolve DIY mm-hmm. store that people people yeah. buy. It's probably the most popular board I have actually for DIY people. But yeah. Shay used one of the ones that Alex did. Um, here's Alex here, man. Say so hit like mm-hmm. and subscribe. Thank you, dude. <laughs> Alex is also a um, really gifted. Well, he is a gifted PCB designer, and oh, we yeah. share a lot. Share a lot. Share a lot of information uh, between mm-hmm. the, between ourselves. Alex mm-hmm. did an ST one board as well. Mm-hmm. Um, that is just got ground planes all over the place, right? All all, all nicely done. Shay yeah. took one of those boards. Who Alex sent him a bunch, mm-hmm. dropped it into this nineteen fifty nine hand wired amp. I'm pretty sure it was that one, or it was certainly one of the ones that had a, you know, a, a, yeah. one of the non-shielded style boards. Yeah. And it was a dramatic difference in the noise yeah. floor. Yeah. You know, it sounded just as good, mm. um, but the thing just became almost dead silent, right? So a, a, a well-designed PCB that's laid out properly and shielded well oh, yeah. will, will beat a turret is in my view anyway, will be a hand wide amp any day of the week. Yep. And as long as the PCB board is designed for through hole parts and it's it can be serviced, then you you're off to the yeah. list. No well this problem. is it, right? And you mentioned this you mentioned like so if it's a through hole plated double sided board, you can yeah. anything but the but the radial caps you can you can service and remove without having to take the board out. And I think a lot of the um bad you know, if you if you read any of the guitar forums filled with people that don't know what they're talking about, and it's they all give bad information. It's, yeah. it's all bullshit. They give PCB stuff oh, a hard yeah. time. Well, it's bad know, information, is what it is. Yeah, it is, and a lot of it's probably based on you know, if you look at if you look at the PCB construction for a nineteen seventy three Marshall ST, the yeah. very first ST one boards, yeah, that's shit. They're but terrible. that's not what we're talking about. No one's manufacturing those PCBs like that. Well, Marshall still are, but no, yeah. no one else is. Right? Yeah. Marshall still do single sided ST one boards. But anyway, apart from that, yeah, right. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. apart from that, no one's doing that, right? Oh, yeah. 
But yeah, yeah. It's, no, it's I agree with it 125 percent. So it's I'm slowly trying to uh, migrate things over. And I mean, well, you probably see it for yourself too. Like with your building, you can do your building a heck of a lot more modular now. You know what I yeah. mean? Which is really nice. You know. Yeah. Um, Brad, Brad's always got the best comment, mate. <laughs> what, what the fuck do the forum guys know? Yeah. He's absolutely right. Yeah. <laughs> You're absolutely. always right, Brad. I'll give you that, yeah. mate. Yeah, he is. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Um, yeah. All right, man. I think I'm through. We're awesome. certainly through the chat, and I'm pretty much through all the kind of the main stuff that I wanted to. Yeah. I wanted to. I want to talk talk with you about, man. So. Great. For Thanks me. for coming on, Dan. This was this was this was awesome, man. It was a really, no I, really I really enjoyed oh, yeah. the chat. So, thanks, um, Mr. thanks, Mr. Friedman, for the uh, for the icebreaker. Yes, yeah. always, um, always. Dave, yeah, Dave knows he's always welcome on this channel anytime, man. Like at a drop of a hat. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. So Dave messaged me. You know, anyone doesn't know, right? It was like ten minutes before we before we came on here. Dave drops dropped a message to me and he goes, Oh man, I'm I'm still here at the shop if you or come and jump in and say hi. I'm like, hell yeah. <laughs> Absolutely you are. So guys, I'm gonna do one more live stream for twenty twenty three. So the same same bat time, same bat channel next week. And and I, I talked about this at the um at the end of the stream last week with Dave and Bruce. And so Dan, you're you're welcome for this, right? So okay. Next week is going to be an open table invite for for everyone that's been on the stream over the last three three and a half months. Yeah. So I'm going to send you a link. It's going to be chaos and completely yeah. crazy, but yeah. we're just going to have a bunch of guys on, and people yeah. can like you know just come in, say hi, stay stay, hang around for as long as you want. But it's just going to be free form, pretty much chaos. Yeah. No, um, I'll be there. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And we're just like you know, I think I think next week I'll be I'll be armed with a few beers and we'll just uh, you know yeah. have a bit of a a bit of a celebration for Proper. for the end of the year. Proper. That'd be the way, the best way to finish it, I reckon. So there you go. And, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, man. So um, I'm not sure. Well, it'll be a Q and A session like they all are, but we'll probably just be asking each other questions. Mm. <laughs> rather than looking at the chat but but who knows um i've already had a bunch of a bunch of the guys you know confirm so um Mm. we might have a bit of a full house i think i can get up to 10 people on this stream yard thing so we'll see how we go that's awesome yeah send send me the link oh man you're in man oh yeah absolutely yeah i have a few questions for bruce and that uh you know it'll be good so yeah yeah Um, yeah yeah so we'll do that. Um, man, just hang on the line for a second. I'll uh, yeah. sign off for everyone else. So tune in next week, guys. Hope you enjoyed today's show. And next week is going to be uh, yeah. promises to have a few laughs. So make sure you tune in for that. It should be fun. And um, <laughs> see you next week. Thank you.